WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Sherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Live and local from Philadelphia. Free speech lives here. Here. It's Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And away we go, live on this Tuesday, October 24th. It is indeed Kale and Company right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We are always live on the free Odyssey app and, of course, streaming live for your video viewing pleasure on YouTube. As we head until 10 o'clock this morning, 855-839-1210, the phone number, Twitter and Instagram, the radio station at 1210 WPHT. I am at Nick Kale, Don Stenzlin with the news, Greg Stocker, the chairman of the board, Daniel Valdez, Anthony Dorenzo, our associate producers. So you're saying there's a game seven. Ah. Don, you called it. I did. I had a bad feeling. Did you hear that, Philadelphia? Blame it on Don Stenzlin. <sighs> Psychic. She forecasts the weather. Game sixes. <laughs> Have we ever had a game seven? Uh, according to the stats, no. So that should go over well. But I have faith. I have more faith that the Phillies will win tonight than the GOP will figure things out at 9 o'clock this morning. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Gregory, how are you? Hopefully we hit more balls today than uh, the Phillies did last night. Yeah. <clears throat> Not great when you can't hit balls. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. take advantage of a pitcher that looked like he was on the ropes from Jump Street and yeah, let him off the hook multiple times. And by the way, can I just say this? Yeah. I'm sick of Alec Bohm. Uh-oh. And I'm sick of Mr. Rojas as well. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Well, he's not, he, he, he's, not, he's not good at bunting. You're a Major League Baseball player and you can't <laughs> bunt? They teach you that when you're six. It's true. Jesus. It's a good point. They're yeah. all good. They should, well... Most of, them, most, All right. of them, most of them. Big bounce back tonight, though. Big, big. We don't have to bounce back on this show, though, because we don't have days like yeah, that. Yeah, baby. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff to get to today, including how George Floyd was nothing more than a pawn for the left. We will explain and elaborate. Also, the left and liberalism when it comes to Israel. That story along the way. And, you know, what's interesting is... I'm not sure what is worse, how left-wing rags and newspapers and publications that are dying have supported the pro-Palestinian Hamas cause, and I know those are maybe technically two different things, or the fact that both the Enquirer and the New York Times make just unreal and oblivious mistakes. Shocking. We just got to get to that as well. So you know, and, and they always criticize us for putting our foot in our mouth. I know. You know, we all talk for a living. and Yes. Occasionally don't say things as eloquently as we like to. That's me on the daily. But this is a, this is a, these are two major newspapers. Yes. And they just blatantly put crap in there and people like, like, they get by somebody. I know. They're getting by somebody. Like, whatever happened to the, I remember my first newspaper job um, in 2006, there was a big editor desk. And the guy had, like, four, like, 20-inch monitors. Yeah. And anything that was submitted, whether it was a box score or a column or anywhere in between, was scanned word by word. Yep. That doesn't happen these days anymore. Well, it would be like me sitting here 
and everybody on this show must or on this station must submit everything that they're going to say for my approval before you say it. Yes, and then you don't actually proofread and editor <laughs> editorialize if that's a word. But anyway, ah well, that's why journalism's dying. But Dawn Stenzelin is still here, and she's an award-winning journalist, and she's not dying. She's thriving because she's got news. 605, round one, the great Dawn Stenzelin. Yes, and obviously we'll talk about Game 7, history in Philadelphia. We need the fans to be louder than ever. We want historic levels of loudness at the game tonight. We'll talk about it all in the news this morning. We're starting out chilly in the 40s, and I'll tell you about the summer-like warm-up that is in store this morning. But it is a solemn morning in Philadelphia as the city buries one of its finest, one of our finest, Officer Richard Mendez, more than 20-year veteran of our police force here in Philadelphia, killed in the line of duty while trying to stop a break-in, try to stop thugs from uh, breaking into cars at Philadelphia International Airport. He will be laid to rest after a public viewing and, and funeral service Public viewing last night as well as this morning. And police say those suspects fired at Officer Mendez and another officer, his partner, longtime friend. But Officer Mendez was killed. His colleague and friend, Officer Raul Ortiz, was shot but survived, continues to recover. And so this morning we expect a procession. And then as well, we expect um, that procession down to the Basilica here in Philadelphia. So that will all begin 8 a.m. So we'll talk about that this morning. And obviously honoring his life and thinking about his his widow, his family, and as well um, law enforcement from across the nation, not just across the city. Last time I'm told it was more than 500 people. Wow, is that right? Yeah, it was packed. Okay. Uh, so... You know, it's just, it, it's a, it's a sad morning for Philadelphia as we, as we think about this because for us, we, we grieve and we think about the family, but for, for the family, it's a lifetime, you know, and that's um, what we talk about with, with how ridiculous the crime in our city has, uh, you know, has escalated to. We do have U.S. Marshals and Philadelphia police arresting finally. This fifth suspect, it's been a year, more than a year, fifth suspect arrested in that deadly 2022 shooting uh, right in the shadow of Roxborough High School. And so that suspect, 17-year-old Dayron Bernie Thorne, taken into custody in Philadelphia's Germantown section. He has eluded and evaded authorities now for a year, and they've arrested him. The final suspect wanted for gunning down a 14-year-old a football player outside Roxborough High School, September of 2022. So the 17-year-old, I guess he jumped out of a window. This is the Nicholas Elizalde this case. This is Nicholas Elizalde. This yep. was right when uh, when we started Kale yeah, and Company. I remember it. And we had talked about it because you're you were a high school football player in this area, and um, we talked about you know just just a 14-year-old. This was a, a scrimmage. Yeah, basically a freshman right? in high school and a uh, 14-year-old. Straight A student, great kid, not in any way involved in anything other than just trying to live his life and be a great kid, Nicholas Elizalde. So uh, there were many tributes, in fact, to his mom, Meredith, and his grandmom because we've, you know, interviewed all of them and we've, you know, talked to all of them. If they've, they've just wanted justice in this mm-hmm. case. Hard to believe it took a year to find right? the fifth and final suspect. Well, apparently he fled to uh, out of state and they had heard that. They continued to look for him working with the feds, 
local authorities, regional authorities. That's what it took, Nick, a whole year. And you said U.S. Marshals were involved? Yeah. Yeah. So jumped out a window in boxer shorts and T-shirt, was trying to get away. Well, I did that once when I was 16, but I was trying to go see my girlfriend in the, in the back alleyway while my mom oh, was stop. asleep. <laughs> Every mom's fear, like, don't you jump out the window <laughs> for, a, for a girl, for crying out loud. That's right. Uh, we do have so much happening as we think about uh, Hamas, the Israel-Hamas war as um, that situation still um, Hamas releases two more hostages. We had told you over the weekend about two Americans, a Chicago mom and her teenage daughter. They were released. Now we have two more hostages released by Hamas uh, from Hamas custody, and they've arrived in Egypt at the border with Gaza. And that's according to Egypt's state affiliate, state-controlled news um, agency. So the Israel Israel Defense Forces, IDF, they say soldiers are conducting training exercise ahead of this potential ground incursion into Gaza. They're still holding off. And we've talked about this every single day as this delicate negotiation goes on. Vital humanitarian aid past the Rafah crossing there from Egypt into Gaza. And that happened yesterday while the warnings go out that the situation in the enclave's hospitals remains, quote-unquote, dire. Much more help is needed, water, food, etc. Delicate negotiation. The U.S. involved in trying to hold off the ground invasion here. Yeah. The IDF says they've now hit 400-plus Hamas terror targets uh, that they have struck in the last 24 hours. So ground, maybe not so much, but uh, I guess through the air in other ways, um, the destruction is underway. Yeah, so nine, they're saying now nine American hostages and in total 220 hostages still in custody. But two more elderly folks uh, were released yesterday, much to the delight of their families. All right, let's talk about Philadelphia. We got to get her done today. It's do or die, essentially, as we think about our Philadelphia Phillies, uh, we lost 5-1. to one. It was painful to watch. NLCS reaching this decisive Game 7 tonight. First Game 7 in Phillies history, and we have a long history. So how about some lowlights? Uh, listen in, Arizona came out swinging, early two-zip lead in the second. Listen in. The windup. And the pitch to Gurriel. Swung on, line deep to left. This one could go. Marsh turns, looks up, and it is gone. Back-to-back for the Diamondbacks. As Gurriel gets a hold of a sinker. His second homer of the postseason. And just like that, it's 2-0 Arizona here in the second. And just like that. I knew we were in trouble when they had back-to-back home runs. Yeah, I I mean, in in the first inning, Nola had some good movement, some good velocity, and then he just hung a fastball and a sinker back-to-back, and... He recovered after that, but we just ne- we had Kelly on the ropes two or three different times, yeah. and we never busted through like they did against our guy. And they pulled him in the bottom of the six too. Yeah, yeah. which I I looked at it was like, oh, he know was mad. A, I don't know. If that's a great he idea. Was. He was mad, but uh, it, it it turned out to be a great move. Yeah, but you know that's the first that's the first time all, all postseason long that Nola had a bad performance. It's true by his standards. So. True. So just like that, Brandon Marsh then responded as he gets a double to send JT Real Muto home. And a pitch from Kelly. Marsh swings, lines it into right. That's a base hit. 
JT coming around third. They're going to wave him to the plate. Carroll with a high throw to the plate. It's taken by Moreno. He'll throw to second, but it's late. And Marsh slides into second, pulls off the helmet, shouts back at his own dugout, raises his hands, and he's got the Phillies on the board. It's 3-1. to one. He was fired up, too, on that play. It was funny. They panned to the crowd and they showed his mom, uh-huh. who was just like, so ecstatic. Oh, I know. It's funny. She's like, that's my boy. Look at that beard. <laughs> look at that look, beard. Look at that, that hair. Unkempt hair. You think my hair's unkempt? I was just going to say, Brandon Marsh might be the stalker of the Phillies. <laughs> it was cute. Was was she the one where, you know, they were wearing their buttons of when their kids were like, we all wear for football. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? She had one of his cute little buttons from yeah. when he was like nine or ten. Uh-huh. Like, oh, my God. It was so sweet. Yep. But uh, that was a sweet moment. But Phil's just couldn't get out of their way. Mars strikes out to finish the game and force uh, game seven. Cutsy. Two balls, two strikes. Marsh waiting. Seawald kicks the pitch. That's a strike called on the outside corner. Backdoor breaking ball. Marsh complains, but the game is over as the Arizona Diamondbacks come to Citizens Bank Park, end the Phillies' home win streak, and they beat the Phillies 5-1 to one to force game seven of the National League Championship Series here tomorrow night. So we'll turn to Ranger Suarez, who has the lowest playoff ERA ever for a pitcher with at least five starts. Diamondbacks will use Brandon. Let's not go Brandon P. Fat. Yeah. I'm making fun of his name on purpose. Who is more effective against the Phils, as you know, in game three than any other pitcher this month, striking out nine over five and a half. Five and two thirds. So we throw innings. we throw Ranger tonight for the yeah. for the right to face the Rangers. Rangers exactly. uh, what Friday night? Yeah, exactly. How about Rangers, that? The Rangers took Game Seven. Yes. Goodbye, Houston. Yeah, Houston. it's all there for the Phillies now. I know. I know it is. What do you guys think about? Did you see before uh, the? I think it was the bottom of the eighth. Fans started leaving. Were they really? And yeah. I, I th- okay. That is such. That is bad luck. Yeah, and I remember with the Sixers, Allen Iverson back in the day, he yeah. would have none of that, mm-hmm. and they need somebody to go like, Mm-mm, get back in your seat. It's bad luck. Sit your tush down. Five one. You're trying to beat the traffic. You know it's probably Come not going to happen. Oh, and there's another game tomorrow night. I actually give the fans a pass. No, no, I do. no. I disagree. Sit down. Yeah, you are you are bad luck. You're there for the long haul. I mean this this team Come has on. a history of of. Coming back, I know for the fans. Yeah, the fans helped turn it around. Yep, that's that was that would have been like half the players. Well, uh, yeah, we've lost. Yeah, that was a bad. That was a bad. Well, maybe, bad look. maybe they had to get to work for today because uh, at the end of the day, we started <laughs> six a.m. Yeah, maybe other people start at six a.m. too. Well, then that was low energy. I mean, look, we didn't. We all have early wake up time, yeah. so we didn't go. Yeah, so. Anthony Dorenzo's here. Yeah, yeah. is he though? Oh, he's in spirit. <laughs> That's my enabling story, and I'm sticking with it. Did you guys, you guys see who's pitching uh, the first pitch tonight? Throwing out the first pitch. Or, uh, yeah, throwing out the first pitch. Oh. John Cruck. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Nice. Bill One Nut. <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> that's his nickname. I know. I, I know. <laughs> it's not right, man. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> We're a little punchy yeah. from. All right, 48 degrees, NBC 10 first solar forecast, 48 degrees and clear right now, 62 degrees, so brisk at uh, this evening because it's later. We're not, unfortunately, we're going to be really tired tomorrow, yeah. but hopefully celebrating, right? Yep. Um, 8.07, so it looks like 62, oh, 67 degrees, that's not bad, 67 degrees and bright sunny skies, 72 for your Wednesday, 77 for your Thursday. I hope Nick Kale has a little tea time coming up. I've been trying to get one more round in, Dawn. Nobody wants to play with me, though. It's going to be 80 on Saturday, isn't it? Yes. Yes. 
Woo, finally, a nice yeah. Saturday. Yep. And then Sunday back to 72, but at least we'll have one football, you know, 80, 80, 80 actually just change it, 82 degrees and sunny for your Saturday. Wow. So hopefully this is a yeah. winning Game 7 forecast. Certainly feels like summer this week. And this is your first edition, Kellen Company News Live. All right, Dawn, thank you very much. 617, let's get to a Tuesday Big Take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. All right, the big take this morning, George Floyd, a pawn in the left's game. Racism, much like anti-Semitism and other forms of hate and phobias, will always exist in America as well as other nations. We as a society will never truly eradicate hatred because human beings are flawed individuals. But you can certainly make progress, and nobody's saying you should give up. In the Middle East, we saw about a 20-year stretch of sustained stability amongst the Arabs and Jews. And then out of nowhere... We saw what happened on Saturday, October 7th. In the United States, we have made great progress when it comes to racism. If you look at where this country was in the 1950s and 60s, compared to the early to mid-2000s, there was a significant reduction in race-related hatred. But that changed in May of 2020 with the death of George Floyd. I have long said on this show that I don't believe the supply of racism in America meets the demand that the left wants and needs. The Democrats, they don't want to eliminate racism. Democrats thrive on it. They want division to create dysfunction and distraction. Fear and racism is on page one of the Dems playbook. We've known that for decades. And I believe that the left used George Floyd's death to send this country back to the way it was 60 years ago in order to keep selling fear, attracting young minority voters, and to keep their stranglehold over a population to win elections. And the math actually proves my point. According to a Gallup poll last year, Americans believed 21 years ago in 2002 that race relations in America were pretty good. 72% of those polled said things seemed to be, quote, pretty good between races. Now, in the most recent poll in 2023, post-George Floyd's death, that number has plummeted to 54% which is a decline of 18%. The reality is George Floyd was a pawn for the Democrats, and if you're a critical thinker and you're paying attention to all of the news and not just what mainstream media tells you, or more importantly, what they ignore, you will see this. New testimony indicates that George Floyd did not die from strangulation or asphyxiation. There's also no evidence to prove it was uh, racially motivated. Here is Tucker Carlson with the latest of Tucker on Twitter Listen and watch. Did, for example, a racist white cop actually murder a man called George Floyd, a civil rights leader, in Minneapolis on Memorial Day of 2020? Now, we've been told that that happened, told it relentlessly for more than three years. So at this point, we've been told it so much that pretty much everybody seems to believe it. And because everyone does kind of believe it, a small group of people has been allowed to make massive changes to American society. They include, but are not limited to, decriminalizing stealing, defunding the police, adding a new federal holiday to the calendar called Juneteenth, the ceasing of hiring all white men in corporate America, and of course, significantly, they also sent a cop called Derek Chauvin to prison for more than 40 years. He would be the racist white devil who murdered George Floyd. But the question is, did he actually murder George Floyd? And the answer is, well, no, he didn't murder George Floyd. And we're not guessing about that. We know it conclusively thanks to a new court case now underway in Hennepin County, Minnesota. The case was brought by a prosecutor there called Amy Sweezy. She's suing her boss. 
So the case is not actually about George Floyd or Derek Chauvin, but it tells you an awful lot about both of them. In her deposition, which you should read, Amy Sweezy describes a conversation that she had with the county medical examiner, Andrew Baker, right after George Floyd died. Quote, I called Dr. Baker early that morning to tell him about the case and to ask him if he would perform the autopsy on Mr. Floyd. Sweezy recalls all this under oath in the deposition. Quote, he called me later in the day on that Tuesday, and he told me that there were no medical findings that showed any injury to the vital structures of Mr. Floyd's neck. There were no medical indications of asphyxia or strangulation. The media's narrative caused riots for months. We all recall the BLM riots of the summer of 2020. We saw businesses destroyed and people killed. We saw over $1 billion worth in property damage. And we saw approximately 20 people killed, which far exceeds any death total on January 6th. The truth is, the dated racism playbook is stale and predictable to many of us, but it still sells to a select few who are incredibly gullible and think every single person is always under attack. One man who isn't buying it is a veteran of the armed forces who worked in forensics. He's an African-American male who is now a children's book author and goes by the name Dr. Interracial on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Billy's Andy Todd if you would like to check it out. He's a fantastic follow, a great critical thinker in my opinion. But listen and watch what he had to say after this latest George Floyd autopsy information was shared in another court case referenced just now by Tucker Carlson. Listen and watch. While serving in the military, my background is forensics. I know how to read autopsy reports. I even filled a lot of reports. And it finally came to truth about George Floyd's death, drug overdose. He didn't die by asphyxiation or strangulation by the police department of Minneapolis. And the sad thing about it is Keith Ellison and the prosecutor and a lot of the Democrats knew that was a lie. But they pushed that lie, which destroyed cities across the nation everywhere. A lot of people lost their lives, a lot of lost businesses. And then a lot of the cities start promote defund the police. Now, what's happening in Minneapolis and St. Paul happened in Baltimore just everywhere. Democrats have been destroying our country every, since they lost the Civil War. And y'all people keep voting for them. They don't care nothing about you. They'd rather take a dumb, stupid person like George Floyd and push their agenda to destroy your own community. Racism and racially motivated hate crimes are tragic and they happen, no doubt about it. But Democrats are diabolical and will use this to their advantage while continuing to push racism at every imaginable opportunity. Remember UC Smollett, the famous hate crime hoaxer? Well, just this past Friday, we received an update on UC. And UC Smollett is, quote, getting help through a rehab treatment facility. TMZ confirmed with a rep from Smollett's camp. The rep tells us, quote, UC has had an extremely difficult past few years. He's been quietly working very hard for some time now, and we're proud of him for taking these necessary steps. We're told Smollett is in an outpatient program. Smollett's rehab stint comes amid his ongoing appeal in his Chicago criminal case. As TMZ has reported, UC was found guilty of lying to cops about an alleged attack back in 2019 where he claimed two masked Trump supporters attacked him and put a noose around his neck. I'm not even sure why this is a headline or a story, because this is all self-inflicted on a complete fabrication and lie. And if this wasn't enough, 
We have also discovered now in the last 48 hours in New York City some disturbing news. As it's been reported by the New York Post that ex-Mayor Bill de Blasio deliberately held back cops during the George Floyd protests. That according to a new book from Melissa DeRosa and the claims that she makes. At this point, it's merely an allegation and a claim, but would it shock you? Would it shock anyone? Or was all of this done by design? Was this the opportunity the left was searching for? The opening they needed during the early days of the pandemic with the election for 2020 about five or six months away. You can absolutely make that assertion because we've known the left's agenda for quite some time. And that's very sad. Sad but predictable. And that's the big take. The big take on Kale and Company. All right, big take this morning. If you want to jump in on the conversation, you can do so. 855-839-1210, the phone number on Twitter and Instagram, the radio station at 1210WPHT. And, of course, on YouTube, just go to YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Hit the like and subscribe buttons and be a part of the Kale & Company comment community. We'll come back, get some thoughts and a reaction to that, as well as what is going on with the left when it comes to the Jewish folks in this country. They feel abandoned. We're going to get to that as we continue. It's Kale & Company, live here on this Tuesday morning. Nick, Don and Greg on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. It's Kale & Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We have an unbelievable edition of What's on the Cut Sheet coming up at 745 today. I mean, I try to stay out of Stockers' way for that, but I just saw so many things yesterday where I was laughing hysterically. You're going to hear a lot of A-listers coming up. Joe was doing things that Joe typically does, so that's a little tease for you. You're not going to want to miss this. But I do think it's interesting, and I wasn't really planning on going down this new kind of wrinkle in the George Floyd story, but it all ties into what's going on with Israel and Hamas in the Middle East and the way the media covers it and the way the Democrats have shifted all to one side here. So honestly, when you look at George Floyd and the way the left used him as a pawn, and the way the left is kind of abandoning Israel at a time of need. We'll kind of tie it all together here in the next 15 minutes or so. Um, but I do want to point out a tweet from our buddy Road Warrior. Uh, he must have just sent this uh, during the, the big take. As you know, he's a retired detective for over three decades. And he says, in regards to the George Floyd autopsy, which is back um, kind of in the, the lower weeds of the news, uh, medical examiners, and this is from Road Warrior, medical examiners are often susceptible to outside influences in making decisions on mode and manner of death. I would know I've done it a lot. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting because, to be honest, I didn't see this story from any specific, quote, mainstream media outlet. This was from uh, one of Tucker Carlson's latest episodes. I think it was episode 32. It's about three or four days old. Um, and so this George Floyd manner of death is being brought up and presented in another court case in Minnesota. And then I see other influencers and other people talking about, including this guy who was in the, the armed forces uh, as a forensics expert. And you go back again and you look at the, the George Floyd autopsy. No life-threatening injuries identified. No facial, oral, mucosal, or other issues. No injuries of anterior muscles or laryngeal structures of the throat. No scalp soft tissue, skull, or brain injuries. 
No chest, wall, soft tissue injuries. No fractured ribs or vertebrae. And then you look at all the toxicology reports. I mean, the, the guy had a pharmacy in his system at the time, for God's sakes. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting to bring up, which, which brings us to what's going on, the ongoing issues in the Middle East. And we'll get to the media failure and the journalism malpractice coming up in about 15 minutes locally here in Philadelphia with the Inquirer, as well as the New York Times. But it, it is interesting that when you when you look at it, it feels to me, and I hate to make this political, I really do. I mean, this is, this is war. I don't think anybody roots for it. Nobody wants casualties and death. Um, I think a lot of us, if not all of us, are against the war machine and, you know, all the propaganda and the profiteering that comes with it. But two articles, one from the L.A. Times and one from one of the media sites that we look at from time to time called Mediate. I want to start with the headline from Mediate. The Israel-Hamas war is causing a reckoning on the left. And I just want to read you a little excerpt here. Uh, they go on to say, since October 7th, this has riled up the American left and reopened a deep cleavage in the Democratic Party that shows no sign of healing anytime soon. Democrats are tearing each other apart over how to appropriately honor the dead in Israel, hold Hamas, Hamas accountable for its atrocities, and support Palestinian civilians while combating both rising anti-Semitism and Islamophobia at home. It's very interesting the amount of Islamophobia that is being brought up in response to this uh, ongoing conflict, because I would argue that the anti-Semitism levels are far more off the charts in this country than the Islamophobia. Not to say that Islamophobia does not exist, because it certainly does. They go on to say that the Democrats clearly have a more difficult task in managing the camps within their tent than does the GOP on this issue, particularly as many on the far left have inflamed tensions into an all-out war in the Democratic Party. The war may also create a potential electoral liability for President Joe Biden. Let me just stop right there and, and ask the question, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. Is this something that could actually benefit the GOP here in the next 13 months when we talk about elections coming up? Is it possible no. that this could backfire on the no. Dems? No. You don't think so? No. Okay. We we have uh we we like to memory hole things, you know what I mean? Sure. Like like it's what's happening now has no bearing <clears throat> of what's going to be in 13 months from now. Okay. Don, you agree or disagree? Could this is this something where the GOP could maybe win some people over, so to speak. No, I agree with Greg on that point, but I will say they can anything you say can and will be used against you. So when they're you know talking trash about each other, which is stupid. Just yeah, now you're, just, you're referring to who talking trash about who? Oh wait, well, are you talking about the House, the yeah, nine members yeah, of the yeah, House? Yeah, yeah. So when they're talking trash about each other and saying whatever the drama that can all be used in different commercials, and they can make fun of them over it so in their in in other words it's before this all happened it was thought that maybe just maybe they we could lose the house but it looks like we're going to win the senate mm -hmm. so so now could that be used in their you know obviously they're going after Lo, uh, lauren bobert in colorado she's very vulnerable in her seat it was a tough seat anyway but and you saw Saturday Night Live make make fun of her. That's why the media always brings her up because they want her to lose. Well, and the, her upcoming election and that movie seat that she was in for a while was a tough seat as well. Yeah, they're using everything. I mean, she was going through a really nasty divorce and yeah. an abusive relationship. And if she were a Democrat, they would all say, "Oh, you know, she got mm -hmm. out of 
uh, she she was pregnant as a teen from an older guy who she stuck with, and she was in an abusive relationship. And she's, you know what I mean? It would be a completely different talking point well, if, if she were a Democrat. If the Democrats and the left can make commercials and ad campaigns based off of the um, dysfunction within the Republican-controlled House, why can't Republicans take out excerpts and ads and clips of all the left-wing propaganda, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Washington Post, the squad members, and use that against them in their like almost absurd defense of the slaughtering of Jews. I, I think that would be a powerful ad that hits home to potentially maybe an undecided voter, an independent, a moderate. I mean, you could. This is where like Democrats will do whatever it takes to win elections and regain power, even if it means you know going to the lowest of the lows. And, and I don't know if that's low by going after Bobert. It's politics. Everything is fair game when it's public. I mean, I I try not to be you know partisan when it comes to that. If there's if there's like you know personal issues in your life that's out there to the public, and you're competing against that person for a seat, it's fair game. But why can't the Republicans quote? Why don't we stoop to the Democrats level? And use all this anti-Israel propaganda that's coming out from the left to potentially win a swing state or a battleground state. I, I think that's fair game, is it not? Well, I, I mean, I think on one hand, depending on the handling of this delicate situation, if God forbid it goes badly, um, will will it be one more to, uh, Biden debacle and Democrats will own it? Yes, that's true. But I mean, Joe's basically he's given into the squad Dems on this ceasefire right here. Right. I mean, they were demanding it. And now we've got this kind of this ongoing delay of, you know, troops on the ground, so to speak. I don't know, Nick. I think if they I think the fear is if they all go storming in that that um, if it's a massive situation, they're just going to kill those 220 hostages. Yeah. They're dead. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's, I really, a fair, that's a fair point. I, that's what I, I I just think. I don't know what the odds are. You know, I'm sure we could talk to somebody who's been doing this for a long time, mm-hmm. right, in hostage negotiations as this goes on. I don't know what the odds of them surviving are, yeah. but I suspect as every day goes by, the odds go down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know they've released four hostages, mm-hmm. but, like, the the odds are that they're... they're the odds are, are horrifying. They're yeah. dead anyway. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, fair. you know what I mean? Like, I hate to be cold and I hate to be callous. Oh, it but could like, be the that's, truth. Horrible. That's what, that's the reality of the situation. So if they're waiting for more hostages to be released, like, that's exactly what Hamas wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And the the reason I ask is this is also interesting when we talk about the left and what, what they latch on to and what they push and advocate for column from the LA Times uh, about one individual in his life. Uh, The headline is the left has really let us down. Why many American Jews feel abandoned. And let me just read you just a couple of sentences here. Uh, Like many American Jews, Jonah Goldman sides politically with the left, including its push for the rights of Palestinians. During college, he was active in J Street, the liberal Jewish advocacy group that opposes the Israeli occupation of Palestinian territories and lobbied for a two-state solution. But in the aftermath of Hamas's gruesome raid on Israel last month, Goldman has never felt so isolated from people he long considered his allies. He was shocked by how quickly friends mobilized for the Palestinian cause while failing to condemn the attack. 
The, the militants killed more than 1,400 people, most of them civilians, slaughtering families, including children, and taking 200 more hostage. Good people he never considered anti-Semitic suddenly seemed, quote, supportive of Jewish genocide on social, social media and college campuses, as well as at pro-Palestinian rallies, the sort of protest Goldman once would have joined. The assault has been portrayed as a form of resistance. He goes on to say, quote, the left in America has really let us down. Goldman, who is 31 years old and lives in the Washington area, considers himself a Democrat and a, social, a socialist. Now, a couple of other things in this article with the L.A. Times kind of chronicling where he's coming from and what he believes. Uh, in, uh, he goes on to say, in other quarters of the far left, significant airtime has been given to the view that Israel is a colonizing force and therefore violence against it is justified. Jews have always been the biggest targets for hate crimes in America, he says. Most prominently, the 2018 massacre of 11 people at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, which we've referenced on this show that Dawn has brought up in the news from time to time. Anti-Semitic crimes were second only to anti-black crimes in 2022, a pattern frequently seen in the FBI dating back to 31 years ago. But as a minority group, that is by and large white American Jews, who number uh, 7.6 million in total, or 2.3% of the U.S. population, have also struggled to find their place in the new hierarchy of identity politics. And obviously, we don't have to go back any further from what happened. You go back to, you know, World War II and Hitler and the Holocaust and things like that. And that's kind of the point of a lot of this, is the left is known for their identity politics. And, you know, I think on the right, for the most part, we look at right, wrong, fact versus fiction, logic, so forth and so on. The left always seems to choose a side based on the victim and the identity. Like the left doesn't really seem to care or report something when it is a white person on the end of a crime. We only talk about it when it's like, okay, it was a police officer with a minority suspect who allegedly did X, Y, or Z. And then when we go to this conflict, I am still now, what are we, 16 days into talking about this. It is still wild to me that they, the left has really, really pinned themselves into a corner here to the point where, and this guy right here, Mr. Goldman, 31 years old, probably does not feel alone. I mean, we played you that clip of that girl at the Washington University campus who was crying her eyes out to a school administrator on campus in like the quad area while there was basically pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian protests going on campus right now. So you talk about a group, and we, we mentioned something yesterday about how everything is always about the oppressor versus the oppressed. I mean, the Jewish community right now in America has got to be feeling unbelievably unsafe and terrible right now when they look around at their country. And I know we, we told you the poll yesterday, 84% of Americans do support the funding and support of Israel. But that 16% that doesn't makes you feel, feel, feel very uneasy about your safety in this country these days. So I thought that was worth bringing up because the left always seems to kind of just jump into one camp, even when you look at things logically and say, I don't know that the, the Jewish community is in the wrong here, yet they're painting it with that kind of brush and that lens. So Yeah, which is bizarre. It is. And, and l let me say this as well, too. We talk about how many people of Jewish descent are in this country. How many people in the entertainment world, Hollywood, 
the legal field, the medical field, the political field. There, there is a lot of very prominent, powerful Jewish people in this country in industries where you would think there would be more pro-Israeli support. Yet you're seeing this verbal backlash as if like this is the like and Greg kind of pointed it out with the like the what about ism and the two side ism. I, you know, I'm not saying Israel is 100 percent innocent in the history of their civilization. They've done things as well. But it's overwhelming. Well, the United States isn't either. Well, that's so, correct. So, like, right. no, nobody's no country, got a perfect yeah, average. No country is right. I, I just, you know, I mean, I'm just. It's very interesting. You see different publications with different stories, and th- this is kind of the stuff I actually like looking at. Is and I, I've seen enough of the talking heads on MSNBC and their opinions. But like when somebody like the L.A. Times, which yeah. is obviously left leaning, mm-hmm. actually reaches out to individuals and talks about their upbringing and how they're totally stunned. So it almost confirms. My belief of I'm stunned the way this is played, uh, played out in public support. So I'm not on, I'm not in the minority when somebody that actually feels really left out in that community is kind of echoing their confusion similar to me. What's what I would really like to see. And of course, you know, we don't know this person, so we won't be able to tell. But, you know, in 13 months, will it affect to the point that we started this segment with will it affect the way he votes right and i'm guessing it won't you're probably right yeah the economy probably has more to do with that the the only thing i'm going to say about your your big take on the george floyd death is that that was a moment that brought the nation together with a tragic situation we all watched it as if it were in real time more than nine minutes a man calling out a big man calling out for his mom and his final moments Mm mm-hmm and so I'm just going to say about that, that it was horrible. And police enforcements and police law enforcement across the country said that's not how we're trained or that's not our protocol. Everybody condemned the procedure that he did in that. And so it was horrifying enough. Let it be and let that officer or those officers then face the music on breaking protocol and that sort of thing. But they had to pimp it. They had to use it, like you said, in your yeah big take as a narrative however as far as what you play with tucker carlson you know to, to pull, pull back totally on this thing and say it was all a big lie we all know what we saw and i think that's a mistake to pull it back and say oh no this is, no it, they broke protocol it was horrible it was awful it was nine minutes that we all watched and cried so let let it be mm-hmm. everybody tucker <laughs> you know, liberal media, let it be what it is. It's horrible enough. Yeah. 855-839-1210 if you want to climb in. Speaking of liberal media, uh, I'm not sure what is more crazy. The fact that so many in the media have gone to the kind of rallying cause and the support of Palestinians and Hamas or the fact that these same outlets are just journalistically failing Categorically, the Philadelphia Inquirer offers up an apology and the New York Times gives us an admission. We'll give you the details on both when we come back here on Kale and Company. Stay right there. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. What a great time of year this fall to find yourself that new or certified luxury vehicle you've been wanting. I hope you turn to my friends from Piazza Premium Automobiles. They're always here to assist you in your unique vehicle search. And it really is a unique search. 
You'll be amazed as well. I'm thinking about it because I've got the minivan, the Honda Odyssey minivan. I was amazed at how much they told me I would get for a trade-in right now. The trade-ins are so high value. So you got to turn to the Piazza Premium family. Okay, they're across the tri-state region. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware. And the Piazza Premium family features dealerships across our region. They're great people. Find your Alfa Romeo, your Maserati. These are some of the most beautiful, sleek, powerful. You know, I'm just coveting these vehicles. Oh, that Maserati, that Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Jaguar, or Land Rover at PiazzaPremiumAutos.com. You know, they say that the vehicle you drive says a little bit about you. So you got to turn to my friends from Piazza Premium Automobiles. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Nick, Dawn, and Greg, 855-839-1210. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube. What's on the cut sheet coming up at 745? We'll kick off Hour 2 with some news for Dawn in just about 10 minutes. Game 7 tonight in the world of baseball. Uh, The Philadelphia Inquirer gets ripped for a terrible, terrible decision with a political cartoon when it comes to Israel and Hamas. We will get to that as we kick off Hour 2 after Dawn's news. But before the apology of the Philadelphia Inquirer, we get to uh, another dying left-wing publication, the New York Times, and an admission from them. And this is finally coming out after last week. The New York Times just showed how clueless they really are. I I don't know if you know it's uh, a reduction in staff or they just don't care about journalistic integrity or if their editorial process has gone to you-know-what in a handbasket. Uh, But the headline reads, New York Times admits that the Gaza hospital bombing story relied on information from Hamas terrorists. This is, like, crazy that you wouldn't do proper vetting, proper sourcing, your due diligence. You'll just take the words of the terrorist. Uh, So the New York Times finally formally addresses its epic failure covering the bombing of a hospital in Gaza. Um, They go on to say the following. Uh, It was one of the most egregious examples our publication has ever done. Hitting publish on the headline, Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. The headline, which was actually stealth edited multiple times. So they changed this on multiple fronts online with their digital publication. But as we know, screenshots and the Internet are forever and people keep receipts. And they were apparently caught stealth editing this multiple times. And I think the lesson to be learned here is, you know, don't take terrorists at their word. You know, let's like, you know, I said last week it would be the equivalent of a bank robbery and the uh, the local newspaper or media outlet um, hasn't gotten the official word from police or uh, the local bank or the security personnel at the bank. But the bank robbers has sent them a message via the WhatsApp messenger app and said, yeah, uh, it, it wasn't us. Oh, well, the bank robbers have nothing to do with it. So we might as well run with that. That's the New York Times. That's not some some pseudo journalist on social media or some blogger or podcaster. That is what many people have tried to make the claim of the New York Times being the premier newspaper in this country. And uh, it's actually so bad that Elon Musk last week after the mistake prior to this admission 
stripped the New York Times of their verified check mark. Yeah, I saw that on social yeah. media. Yeah. So uh, Elon Musk has kind of been a little weird lately with Twitter. Now check marks don't mean anything these days. Like, no, like, no, because you can pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Right, but it's not like the New York Times. You know, I'm sure they were verified before you had to pay for it, and he decided to remove that check mark from them, uh, which which is also weird with Twitter. Because now Elon's going to start charging people $1 per year oh, for basic mi- functions? What a mistake. What a mistake. Wait, what's the point of that? It's just, $1 per year? Well, he's, for what? He's realizing... To tweet. To, to tweet. that Which could be the way I finally get off of Twitter. So, Greg Stocker, you should actually be relishing publish? this moment. Yeah. Yeah. To publish. Basic things like retweeting yep. and posting. Yep. Then it costs you a dollar a year. Can, I write, extra, can I write that off? What extra do we get? Nothing. Nothing. That's, that's just, the thing. The, just the ability to be if on there. If we're paying dog. for stuff, we should get something extra. Yeah, right? we. I yeah, agree. We don't. I agree. We don't. Like not. if Elon Musk, like if he could come here and we could have like little meetings with him or Zoom talks with him. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I don't. Yeah, I'll be, pay be, that. No, I don't want to do that either. It would be, pain, it'd be painful. <laughs> he's exposing himself as the fraud he actually <laughs> is. He, he's a mess. He, he's a giant. mess. He's just everywhere. He's a giant mess. He's just. A, yeah. I, you know what he is? He's an attention seeker. A hundred percent. He really is. He is. Yeah, no doubt. He loves it. Well, he's. A, you know that this is the. He's this genius with a ton of energy. Way too much energy. Too much time and, on his hands. You know, like being a billionaire and building Teslas and rockets isn't enough. Yeah. And so Twitter's a toy for him. We are basically the Legos. Yeah. For and I loved your little. You like that, by yeah. the way. My uh, my daughter uh, got uh, uh, my daughter. My daughter she doesn't have a son. Thank God. If she did, it'd be really weird. Um, my sister, her son, got the whole new, the whole new Lego set, and my sister was texting me last night saying, "I got Dawn's voice in my Yay. background saying Legos are the building blocks of the future for yes. for little boys or men. Scholarships, robotics. Yeah, good job, Aaron. I never had Legos. Yeah. Explain me why. either. See? I was just gonna say. <laughs> I never had Legos. I can't build a damn no. thing. I had wrestling buddies. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They're actually fun. But we, So we are the Legos for Elon Musk. He's, we're go. just his play toys. Yeah. We're like... Not doing that. You know, Barbie and G.I. No. Joe dolls. Not not doing that. <laughs> Twitter's a cesspool anyway. You can have it. This could be it. <laughs> not everything needs to be on Twitter. Right. 855-839-1210. Coming up next, you're going to want to get to YouTube because you will see this political cartoon that the Philadelphia Inquirer ran. And apparently... The screening, the vetting, the, you know what, on second thought, probably not a good look. That never seemed to transpire or materialize. We will explain that story and their apology from one of the bigwigs of the company. On the other side, it's hour two of Kale and Company. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app. Hour number two underway here on this Tuesday morning. Nick Dawn and Greg, 855-839-1210. What's on the cut sheet coming up at 745? Big day for House Republicans. We will get you up to speed with everything within the GOP and that debacle coming up in just about 15, 20 minutes. And a very classy gesture uh, that we did not get to yesterday that the Philadelphia Eagles did on Sunday at the link. Uh, for some Americans, uh, we'll get to that story uh, before we get to the cut sheet. Also, Eagles making a huge trade yesterday. How dare that football team try to steal the headlines of the Phillies as they try to clinch a spot in the World Series? It was like headline wars between the two teams in town. Yeah. So uh, we'll touch on that as well. Of course, Game 7 tonight uh, at 8.07. But before we get to all of that, let's get to the news. Let's get to the forecast because I think Don Stenzlin has said it's going to be warming up today. 7.04, and here is the great Don Stenzlin. Yes, a big warm-up in the forecast.
We are sponsored this morning in Kale & Company News Live by American Heritage Credit Union, and the funeral procession has begun this morning, a solemn morning in Philadelphia as the city prepares to bury uh, one of our city's finest who protected and served until the last moments of his life here in Philadelphia. We're talking about Officer Richard Mendez, more than 20-year member and veteran of the Philadelphia Police Force, was killed in the line of duty while trying to stop those armed thugs and thieves breaking into vehicles at uh, Philadelphia International Airport. Cameras not working. Public viewing will be held at the Cathedral Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul on Race Street in Philadelphia this morning. So that begins 8 a.m. and goes until 11 a.m., followed by a private uh, funeral service. That'll be at noon today. And this is before Officer Mendez is laid to rest. So certainly we've paid tribute to his life, his career here in Philadelphia for protecting and serving his widow, his family, and his larger law enforcement family. Thousands from across the country are here in Philadelphia. And that as well will, you know, there are many reminders for you. If you are in and out of Philadelphia, there are many street closures today um, beginning right now as I speak through probably two o'clock this afternoon so that'll just cause some traffic delays or rerouting traffic so just a heads up on that one 50 mm. uh, 50 years old 50 you know yeah I in this I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way because I'm not I'm not intending to put a certain twist or tone to it I feel like you know as an officer and maybe these guys just love their job so much and, and they don't think about the what ifs and what could go wrong. But just the way my brain is is wired, it, you know, if you end up being a career police officer and you end up doing less of 30, 35 years, 20, 25 years, whatever it takes to get your pension and, and be pension eligible, it's just, you know, for 20 years in a tough city that officer was able to do his job and go home each day. And it's like, you start to start thinking about, you know, I guess when you're 50 years old, I know it's a long way away from retirement, especially in this economy, Dawn, but it's like, you you start to feel like maybe you're getting close to the finish line and you're almost going to get out of harm's way and have an unbelievable career and then be able to talk. And then, then these low lives just snatch it away from you and your family. Just, just, just thinking about his age and two decades of, you know, well, I mean, and he was beloved. Like yeah. you hear this all the time with a lot of these cops that you know they were just universally like the most humble, genuine, late, lo- 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 you know. Uh, I don't know. It just bothers me. It really steams me up. Well, I mean, to, and we think about this. Uh, I th- I believe his he has a son who's a, also a young cop who just yeah. became a cop. Uh, we know our friend John McNesby, FOP Lodge Five president, um, has you know family who have fairly recently within the past year or so yeah. who've been sworn in who've been sworn in as officers so i guess that hero dna mm-hmm. you know kind of runs in the family that and, and god bless the, right? the, the the youngsters that are going into that field now in this day and age at, at 24 years old or whatever you might be you're going to become a cop and you read all the headlines i get more power to you i couldn't do it yeah so you know to your point though nick this is why there is a chilling effect I'll call it the Krasner effect as well as everything going on because right. when you are that officer, you always want to 
you don't want to have that hesitation. Mm-hmm. And that, by the way, can be deadly on the job. Yes. Yeah. Your failure to actually do your job could result in your life ending because of you got, you got the media's uh, narrative bouncing around in your skull for the last three and a half years with everything you've been told about how, how demonic the police are. Yeah. Well said. Uh, we have also a, a final, finally, we, they have, authorities have arrested that fifth and final suspect who was wanted for gunning down 14-year-old Nicholas Elizalde, a young student, high school student, and JV football player just in the shadow of Roxborough High School. Happened in the fall of 2022, but it took now a little over a year to catch, for authorities to catch 17-year-old, so he was 16 at the time, Dayron Bernie Thorne, taken into custody, and that was yesterday afternoon in Philadelphia's Germantown section by Philadelphia police as well as the U.S. Marshals. So Thorne was one of five individuals, young men, who authorities say ambushed a group of kids, including 14. Unfortunately, there were a lot of innocent kids like Nicholas uh, who were captured in that shootout. The other four suspects have already been arrested and charged. This guy, I will mention to you, this 17-year-old was also wanted for a separate homicide the right the day before you know this happened and i'll also remind you of the fact that there were illegal guns that were supposed to be in the custody of the sheriff's office remember this and those firearms somehow ended up being sold on the underground market or black market whatever you want to call it and in fact were used in that deadly roxborough high school shooting yep so there's so much corruption that went, you know, that has been investigated, as they've said that according to these documents, that the sheriff, they should have been in the sheriff's custody. There were FBI informants. This has become a major investigation, federal, regional, and local. But those two pistols, a Glock Model 17 and a Glock Model 22, ammo were three thousand five hundred dollars. All of that was used in that shooting involving those kids. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. And you said U.S. Marshals were involved? Yes, sir. That's I tell you what, that is one area that I, if I would have used my criminal justice degree to go into policing, so to speak, I would have loved to have been a U.S. Marshal. Ah, da- these are all dangerous I know, jobs. but th- th- these are the ones you get motivated for. You you, you want to hunt down the, these lowlifes, and the, the, you know, yeah. the local authorities and state authorities come to you at the federal level, and you go in for these guys? Oh, that that would be a rush. I would enjoy that job. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. You're safe. Yeah. Your mom's and your mom and dad are in heaven. Glad that you're here. Here safe, right? I think they're laughing at me. Actually, no, right that's they're very proud. Um, so we have a lot going on, and Nikhil is is talking a lot this morning about the House Speaker. And then there were nine. We'll talk about that moving forward. Nine a.m. I guess they're going to have a meeting. We're hearing there could be a vote today. Then we heard the the vote, the official vote, the formal vote may actually be later this week. So we're waiting to hear more on that. And I'll point out to you that as well in the Donald Trump case, this is the New York City, Manhattan, Letitia James case involving his business dealings as it was her campaign promise, Letitia James, to uh, to get Trump, quote unquote. Now, Michael Cohen, one of his most loyal allies, was his attorney on retainer. He is expected today in court. So some drama, a showdown, perhaps, as today, Trump and Cohen expected to be face-to-face in a New York courtroom as Cohen delivers testimonies, part of the New York Attorney General's civil fraud, civil fraud case against the former president. Mm-hmm. So that the, there's a media swirl around that 
it was speculated that Cohen, the re- reason that he called in sick last week, that w- he was he heard that Trump was coming and he didn't want to face him. That was one of the narratives. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. So, yeah, so we're waiting for that one. There's so much happening. And, of course, Game 7 today, historic for our fills. All right, we lost it yesterday. Yeah, we but- got Ranger Suarez tonight, baby. I feel good about the Ranger being on good, the Good, I'm glad. I do. Okay, you're yeah. feeling lucky. I was steamed up last night, but I feel good about today. So we lost 5-1 yesterday, but we've con- the- here's the good news. Phil's controlled most of this series, right, Nikhil? Yeah. I controlled th- most of the series. I, I thought this was going to be a five-game series, six max. I- I'm-, I'm honestly a little stunned that it's gone seven. Maybe they just... See, they wanted the fan. The fans weren't good enough last night. We're leaving early, as Greg Stocker pointed out. So maybe if the fans just stay in your seats. I can't believe you guys are ripping the fans. I'm ripping the fans. I'm blaming the fans. Yeah, somebody on the YouTube chat said, if you're going to leave early, uh, stay at home and watch the game on TV. I well said. It's their money. It's their money. If they want to leave to beat the traffic, I don't blame them. Five one in the eighth inning. Give a real fan your your tickets. Agreed. Yep. There yep. are lots all of real... These, all these Johnny-come-lately... Yep. Oh. Fairweather fans. All this money to get into the stands. Oh. And you know what? They gobble up all the good seats, uh-huh. and then they leave. Thank okay. you. And it wasn't as loud as it could have been. Yeah. wasn't as loud. We need real fans tonight. Fraud, fraud fans. Fraud fa- Ooh, fraud Fair, fans. Fairweather fraud fans. Well, I, I, love lo- it. I lost some of my juice last night after all those uh, base runners were left stranded after the first seven innings as well. But by, you wouldn't have left. By the way. I would have, actually. By the way, Dawn, <laughs> to do. Dawn called this uh, game correctly. She did. So she's already up. You owe her 40. Yeah. Uh, I would assume we both owe her 20 then. Yeah. So she's up 80. Yep. Forty of uh, 60 of which is you, 20 yeah. of which is me. Yeah, you got some kale currency coming yeah. your way. Yeah, it's like Bitcoin. Yeah, it's like but Bitcoin. It, but it remains in the in the pot. Yeah. In our little piggy bank, and yeah. then it'll all go to Travis Mania. And yes, and which, by the way, the the grammar tip, the grammar jar in here is starting to fill up. I don't is know it? who's been stuffing dollars in here lately, but it's starting to be at the point where it's almost full. So I don't know if people have been making contributions. Oh. Well, I mean, you should for the last. <laughs> well, days. yeah. I mean, if we were really keeping track, I would have a bucket full already. <laughs> be like one of those big coin jars we put all those pennies in. Remember those? I do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, all of it will go, whether it's uh, families back in the badge for the bike, because that's right around the corner. Are you still training on the bike? No, I'm training with bourbon right now. Stop. But I'll be, I'll be on the bike by, like, April. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, by I, the committed, way, I committed to do that race with you next year. Or, yeah, so oh, it's official year, you're so. in? Uh, my advisors need to yeah. <laughs> advise me. You're going to talk to your attorneys in oh, the conference yeah, room today? Exactly. 10.05? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, I'll tell you what. The... The poles are all greased in Philadelphia. They were greasing them yesterday. They were greasing yeah. them yesterday. Yeah. They're they're greasing. They were out there just touching them up. And we're going to have pole climbers and greasy pole climbers. I I I you know I think we're all fired up today. But come on, fans. We need the real fans to come out. And American Heritage Credit Union sponsors our news this morning. The place for first time home buyers, in house realtors. $500 lender credit for new homeowners. Visit AmericanHeritageSia.org slash FTH for all the details. Loans subject to credit approval insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender, NMLS, 433838, NBC10, first alert forecast. A gorgeous summer-like forecast all week. Today, 68 degrees, they're saying now, 68 degrees and sunny. We warm up to 82 degrees by Saturday, enjoy the sunshine and a taste of summer 
We're here on Kale & Company News Live. All right, Dawn, thank you very much. 855-839-1210. So get on over to YouTube if you're not there already. YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHD. Hit the like and subscribe button while you're there to make Greg happy because you're going to want to see this cartoon. So this story, if you don't know what we are talking about, I gave you the New York Times and their admission uh, that it was a mistake to take Hamas at their word, that uh, they were not the ones responsible for the hospital attack, which we all know now was not even a hospital, it was a parking lot. Uh, But the Philadelphia Inquirer is being ripped, and rightfully so, for running a political cartoon depicting Israel as a giant boot apparently about to crush ant-sized Hamas. And there it is right wow. now. There's the oh cartoon. Oh, my Lord. Look at that. So this is an editorial cartoon, big old black boot with the word Israel on it, and Hamas, and it looks like a little depiction of uh, individual human beings about to be stepped on and smushed, and it says, distance yourselves, Israel here coming for Hamas. So the Inquirer was blasted for running this political cartoon. This apparently one week ago today, so mm. this would have been last Tuesday, October the 16th, which, as you see right now, depicts Israel as a giant boot apparently about to crush an ant-sized Hamas. While the paper apologized last Wednesday, six days ago, which was a day later, the chairman of the board of the Inquirer, Josh Kopelman still took the publication to task on social media this past Thursday over the, quote, offensive cartoon that shows Israel as an aggressor against a meek Hamas. And I cannot sit in silence, he says. So now he says a few other things. He added that he's avoided publicly commenting on the Inquirer's editorial choices over the years, but, quote, has heard that my silence has been interpreted by some as a passive endorsement. So I want to publicly share my anger. In the battle against terrorism, the Philadelphia Inquirer mistook the victim for the aggressor. He goes on saying the Inquirer got it wrong. So there's two ways to look at this, right? I mean, look, if we were, I would, uh, it, it could make Israel the big, you know. Bully? Not bully, but like big, strong. Like if you would do this to America, mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. and um, and ISIS, yes, you know what I mean. Uh, it would be a boot, yeah, crushing ISIS because we're so much bigger and more powerful well, than that. So you could look at it that way. I'm not sure that that's the way. Well, that's it the was way intended. Monty Wolverton, who made it's a syndicated columnist. Yeah, he wrote, "I deeply apologize for my recent cartoon depicting an Israeli combat boot." poised to crush Hamas, I had intended to show Israel was soon to stomp out Hamas terrorists, mm-hmm. but my insensitive choice of imagery effectively cast Israel as a villain. I now realize this caused pain for many readers, and I deeply apologize. See, I, I don't view it as Israel being casted as the villain, although there are people on the left that are trying to make Israel the villain. But I think the reality is, to Greg's analogy of America versus ISIS, let's face it, the, the, the IDF is absolutely going to smash Hamas. Yes. Hamas is a ragtag operation. Now, if this was Hezbollah, bigger yep. force, yep. bigger te- you know, total people committed to the to the cause, so to speak, it might be a little more different. Um can uh, Daniel or Phil, can you put up that photo one more time? I think we should take a poll question on this okay. on the YouTube chat to see if this is uh I don't want to say offensive because this audience doesn't get offended by anything. Not but much. Uh, is this in is, is this in 
in poor taste, I guess, is the good. But, you know, I, I don't know that it's in poor taste. Number one, this is a terrorist organization. Number yeah. two, Israel has a right to defend themselves and exist as a group of people. And, yes, they, they are much, I mean, Israel is pretty advanced when it comes to military and technology, although we know this was an intel failure of epic proportions. You know, I, I know we live in a world where people want to be bothered by things, but, number one, it's a cartoon. Uh, number two, I think the the imagery that it's portraying, mm. it's not factually incorrect. Yeah. I mean, are we going to be offended by things that are that are factually correct these days? I think people looked at this like b- Big Bad Israel imposing their will on Hamas. But I, I see this as a, a superpower, in my opinion, crushing, uh, a, you know, a... An enemy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't see the I don't see the outrage about this, and I don't understand really why um, uh, he needed to apologize for it. And I don't I, know. I, I just well, I think the re- I think what happened. Well, first of all, I think what happened was it just shows you this is a syndicated. This right here is a syndicated cartoonist. Mm-hmm. I I doubt anybody even really noticed it. Well, but- I, I think that they just, you know what I mean? They just, ah, you know, it's a syndicated. I, so so for them to apologize over a syndicate, I understand they have to take accountability for what they publish. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wonder if they even saw it. What does the caption say? It's got the boot. Up in it, the corner. Uh, it says distance, distance yourselves. yourselves. Yeah. Which, I mean. Let's, so what does that mean? I mean, it's basically, I, I interpret it as basically the evacuation that they've been yeah. giving you for two weeks. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you might want to start. We're giving you ample opportunity mm-hmm. to. To get out, you know, civilians, uh, Palestinians not connected to Hamas, Americans, Jews, get out because it's about to start raining. Uh, if you go to YouTube, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT, there's a poll question right now. Is this in poor taste, comma, offensive? Right mm-hmm. now, the no's are winning at 62%. But I would say that what's appropriate is that this is clearly an op-ed. This is a political cartoon. Mm-hmm. So my criticism in general is... The Inquirer is famous for having a lot of things, especially on their because we get the hard copy Sunday. All of us get the digital, right? But I, w- I would say the fact that this is an op-ed, this is an opinion, it's a yeah. cartoon, mm-hmm. whereas sometimes they have things in their quote-unquote news section mm-hmm. that is a commentary, yeah. such as about police, you know, and they've gotten other things wrong that they don't apologize for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would rather they apologize for those things. Yeah. As opinion, as opposed to something that was syndicated that everybody knows is a, is a cartoon and op-ed. Tamar, uh, Tamar Walker on the YouTube uh, chat says the problem is that the image the that in the image Hamas was depicted as people might have been better to depict them as another object. <laughs> Yeah, oh. like, like, or savages. Like, that's like, a pretty sophisticated. That's, you're, that's like, a good point. Yeah, like you're crushing actual people rather than, you know, the the scumbag animals that mm-hmm. did did what they did. Yeah. I don't know, but how would you depict that then? Um <sighs> automatic rifles and IEDs and bombs. Yeah, that's a good point. 855 Go over eight... to YouTube and vote. I'm sorry. No, I, go, ahead. Uh, go over to YouTube and vote youtube.com/at1210wphd. You can see the uh, photo and vote. Uh, right now uh, the nose are winning 61%. Actually what? to his what was it who who said that cuz that was an astute point. Tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. To tomorrow's point. 
had they shown the armaments uh, under the boot, that actually would have been better because where did those armaments come from? Right. Mike Carr writes, why is the boot got to be black? <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> it's a racist boot. Racist. Actually, that's their, I think that's in their, uh, That's what their boots, combat boots look yeah. like. Yeah. 855-839-1210. We will come back and work our way towards what's on the cut sheet. A big day for House Republicans Trump has the only solution for the House speakership. We will get to that as well as the members, by and large, disapproving of this fight going on within the House. We'll continue after this on Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Jump into NBA action with FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers get three months of NBA League Pass, courtesy of FanDuel, when they place a $5 bet on the NBA. All you have to do is place a $5 bet on your Philadelphia 76ers. you get $200 in bonus bets, plus three months of NBA League Pass, courtesy of FanDuel. That way, you can watch the action as you bet on everything for point spreads to player props. Best of all, you can get paid... You'll get paid your winnings instantly. So don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets plus three months of NBA League Pass for free. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Greg and tip off the NBA season right. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 1210 WPHT and is the official partner of the NBA. 21 and over, President PA. New customer offer. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as an withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. All customer offer. $5 NBA wager required. Limit one pass per customer across both across both offers restrictions apply void where prohibited void where prohibited see full terms for both offers at fanduel.com slash sportsbook gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER NBA league pass lookout local blackout restrictions apply this is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app Tuesday morning what's on the cut sheet in less than 15 minutes a couple of A-listers making a Tuesday appearance Looking forward to that. 855-839-1210, the phone number on Twitter and Instagram at 1210WPHT. And, of course, be a part of the Kale & Company comment community on YouTube. Uh, we will get to the latest with the House. Donald Trump's latest comments about only one man can get to 217 votes. And, uh, spoiler alert, it's not Byron Donald's. Uh, we'll give you that in just a moment. Uh, but let me grab a phone call before we get to that. We've got Joe, who is in Berks County. Joe, you're on Talk Radio 1210. You go right ahead, Joe. Joe is... Uh-oh. Is he there? Going once? He going is, twice? He gone! <laughs> he, I, I think apparently he was on hold for a no. day. I think there was something wrong with the phone, actually. Oh, I no. think there's something wrong with the phone. Oh, All right. right. Well, Joe, we appreciate it. If try giving us a call back or maybe tweet us, or you, there's plenty of ways for you to communicate yeah. beyond just the phones. Um, so I, I do want to get to um, this tweet that we got uh, in regard to the cartoon uh, that we were talking about from the Philadelphia Inquirer that has drawn criticism and has led to uh, the CEO of the company to issue a public statement. We got this tweet during the break from uh, Antiquarius underscore Emeritus, who says, and he sends this to uh, myself. Uh, to Greg and to Dawn. The reason that cartoon is drawing fire is because it associates the IDF with German Nazi jackboots. It's effectively equating the Israelis with Nazis. The jackboot is a potent symbol of Nazi aggression. 
So are we really at the point now where we're trying to make the, and I'm just kind of interpreting what he's saying here and implying. That's not a jackboot. Boot. That's not? Look, okay. look up, look up jackboots. Jackboots are smooth leather boots. Daniel, can you put okay. the uh, cartoon up uh, not a jackboot. on the YouTube? Because yeah, I, I refuse to live in a world where you're, anybody's going to try to imply to me that the Israelis and their response no. to being attacked is the equivalent of the Nazis. I don't know. That looks like a jackboot to me. No, no. Don. Look up. Jackboots don't... Uh, the the jackboot is the trademark of it. It's a large leather... like It's like a military boot, but it usually goes up higher, equal, either halfway up or all the way up to the actual... Uh, almost to your knee. Okay. This, that, that this looks like... Calf. This is like a construction boot that's like a... It's, it's not even like a patent leather. It's... It's like a suede. Yes. And, and it has the tread, heavy okay. tread bottom. Good point. That I, is I've, not a jackboot. I have just um, Google imaged a jackboot, and you're right. See? Those go up at least to the back of your calf, all the way up to behind your knee. I would say that those have got to be 12 inches, you would say, Yeah. Norm? Well, Believe me, I live with kids who love like war. We've been to every you know museum, and so yes. all those costumes or not costumes, uniforms that are on display at museums. Yeah. That is not a jacket. This boot. this cartoon looks like a six inch like Timberland boot, so to speak, it's like a military boot. John yeah. Solis on the YouTube chat using jackboot again. He says the use of jackboot with Hamas being depicted as only having small and effective rifles is clearly unbalanced and offensive. Offensive so. to who? Hamas? No, no to the. To- I, I just think in general, when you fir- when I first looked at it, when I look at it now, I didn't even see it in the Inquirer, truthfully, because I don't, <laughs> you know, that's that's why probably we didn't even notice it for a week, uh-huh. but um, because it's, you know, sits around and it's on a back page. Yep. But I, I would say this, my first impression of it is that it, it appears to follow the narrative that we're seeing that's a horrifying narrative, that th- there are victims who are suffering you know who are we have 220 hostages mm-hmm. uh, and the hope to god they're alive we have families who've been i mean it, it, who've been ripped apart who are grieving a country that i mean people citizens in their homes having breakfast little kids playing with toys on the floor yeah. and and these armed men terrorists break in your front door and do horrifying things right. and slaughtered families but- this right here follows a different narrative that mm-hmm. we've seen on college campuses that that is I mean offensive isn't even strong it's not even a strong enough word to say what we've seen in the media it's it's insane but it's let, insane let, let, let me ask the million dollar question and it really shouldn't be the million dollar question to me it should be it should be the 10 cent question because it's so obvious why are we sympathizing with Hamas? Why is anybody yeah. in their right mind offended by a cartoon? It's not like that boot says Israel and the little ant people in the cartoon are. It, it, it says the word Palestinians or Arab Americans. It says Hamas. It says Hamas. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how can you? Yes, yeah. I do I want a big boot to fall on Hamas. And yeah. that's what the cartoonist says. The cartoonist claims that he actually was saying, you are small, you are nothing, and you'll be crushed. Yeah. That's what the cartoonist is saying he intended. And I think it was important that he spoke out and say what he intended. He's claiming he did not, he was not siding at all with with the terrorists, uh, but it was in, interpreted that way. So, again, I'm just going to say this is art and cartoons and these political cartoons, the intent of 
those cartoons are clearly they're opinionated and they want us to yeah. have these conversations and they want us to have thoughtful conversations. So of all the things that the Philadelphia Inquirer could apologize for, right. th- that's not one of this them. This is one where I feel like where I'm defending the Philadelphia Inquirer. Yeah. You're saying you have nothing to apologize for. It was a syndicated columnist. That, right. I mean, yeah, they, uh, were they asleep at the wheel? Probably. Mangle Mush on the YouTube <laughs> chat says the same exact thing happened to the Pocono record. So obviously they, you know. They carried it too. They carried it as well. Which, which so. I get. Um but let, now let me ask you this, and I was going to get to this story coming up later, but this is actually a tie-in here. So comic strips are now being criticized by those who are triggered uh, to the extent of that's offensive to the terrorist and the terrorist group, to which I would say it's a comic strip. So let me try to be somewhat consistent. I think this is close to apples to apples. I wanted to get to this story later, but we'll do it now. So Dave Chappelle was doing his show in Boston, Mm -hmm. and some members of the audience walked out after he criticized Israel during a show. So should a comic strip be much like a comedian and a comic show where you walk into the show, or in this case, you pick up a copy of the paper, or if you saw it on the digital version, if it was in the digital print, um, and should you just remove all triggers to be offended because at the end of the day it's meant to be humorous it's not real right yeah should a comic strip equate to a comic show well first of all nobody reads comic strips so like you know we're having these conversations right. don brought this up too nobody would have seen this comic strip <laughs> if we didn't bring it up literally nobody now more people have seen this right. than, than saw it when it was first published so nobody reads them as far as dave Chappelle goes Look, you can disagree with what Dave Chappelle says, but like to walk out of it, oh my god. Like what like it's, you know, yeah, he's he's an offensive comedian. He he's always got cringe, has been. he's got cringe content. He has always and and whatever side he like I don't care. Is he funny? Are the jokes funny? That's all that matters. And for people to be triggered by like oh, I can't believe he said this. He's a comedian. Stop. Here's some of the details of this story. This is uh, I'm reading this from FoxNews.com. Members of the audience at a Dave Chappelle show last Thursday reportedly walked out after he criticized Israel's bombing of Gaza and said students supporting Palestinians shouldn't be losing jobs over it. The Wall Street Journal, citing attendees, first reported some in the audience shouted Free Palestine in support of Chappelle's comments, while others yelled, What about Hamas? (laughs) before some audience members ultimately walked out. Again, when I walk into any sort of comic show or anything, a movie, Anything under the entertainment umbrella, I am never going to be offended because the point of it is to elicit a response from you, get you to cringe, get you to laugh, get you to boo. Like, I I don't think Dave Chappelle, one way or the other, and I don't know, maybe there's video or audio out there and we can, you know, decipher what he was saying and how he delivered it. And if there's not, I looked. But it's like, you know, again, it's it's freaking Dave Chappelle. If you don't know that he's going to push the envelope, that's a you problem. Okay, so if I were, I love, love Dave Chappelle. So do I. I think he's so funny but so if i guess at first he said he didn't think students should lose a job offer for supporting palestinians i agree with him right okay okay uh then he said that he supported israel at first but then at some point he said that um 
the Hamas attacks. He basically, one of the quotes was, he said, Israeli policies and the Hamas attacks are two wrongs. Two wrongs don't make a right. That's what people found offensive. So if I'm at a Dave Chappelle show and I think he's making some of those comments and I really strongly disagree, I'd just heckle him. Yeah. I would just, I would probably stay. But I would have, I would definitely be a big mouth and I would heckle him. And, so, and maybe he'd have a funny response, but I would want him to know, like, dude, uh, two, two yeah. wrongs don't make a right. What, what are you talking about? So oddly These enough, are terrorists that went door yes, to door. So like he's, that. he's playing the mainstream media card with yeah. both, both sides of him. Here. Yeah. Well, they're both in the wrong. No. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, nobody said he was right or had to agree with him. Yeah. But, but if, if you're at a show, and you did like if you hear something that you disagree with and you're at a show like do you, is your first instinct to walk out or no offense Don, but to even heckle yeah like, I, who, who cares I would, just 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 no their first instinct is to get their phone and go to twitter and cry about it that's what i'm saying yeah. but like truth is i i knowing like cuz i've watched like every one of his shows he's a pretty sensitive guy and he's a pretty well informed guy i i suspect that he got into into it with an audience member because they were heckling him, and he was talking about policy. Mm-hmm. But if it's true that he really said like a boneheaded thing, if he said two wrongs don't make a right, yeah, then yeah, I'm heckling him with my oh, big freaking mouth. I, I am. I think some of the best comedy comes from you know current <clears throat> events and public affairs and new yeah. stuff that we talk about on on talk shows. <laughs> but remember, who was it, Bill Burr? On stage in like South Jersey, yeah, like guys like this and Chappelle do great with hecklers. So I wouldn't be an obnoxious heckler, but I probably yeah. would. Like I probably would, might shout something out to go, the, dude. The you know, Bill, the Bill Burr story from oh, the early two thousands is best. legendary. He was he was in Camden here. Okay. It was part of a it was part of a radio station event, and they had all these comedians there. And the crowd, Bill Burr was fairly new at that point, and the crowd just turned on Bill Burr. And it started right before him, I think it was Bob Saget or somebody yeah. like that. And Bob the crowd Saget. started turning yeah. and not, you know, just heckling and booing. So he, he got out on stage and he started telling jokes and the crowd was just not with him. Yep. So he completely flipped the script and just insulted Philadelphia, insulted <laughs> the fans. And by the end of it, he got a standing ovation <laughs> because he was so good yeah. at just flipping the script. It, it really was a lesson in yeah. how comedians react. Yep. In 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 bad situations like that. <laughs> and funny you bring up the late great Bob Saget, who's no longer with us. Uh, I think he just died a couple of years ago. I mean, one of the things about him is if you've ever seen his bits and his routine. Yeah. I mean, he is a foul mouth, the potty yes. mouth, obnoxious yeah. guy. Yeah. He's the complete opposite of the the guy he was on on Full House and on America's Funniest Videos. Yes. You think friendly, family, wholesome dad? <laughs> he's just the raunchiest <laughs> guy of all time. I love that guy, and he's gone. Sadly, I think he died at sixty-five years old. But just the fact that people like see, they they go to events or people speak and they don't agree with something. Yeah, and I know. They, like it's just like oh, stop. I know. Just stop. It's amazing. Just move on. Yeah, I know. Okay, so if somebody has a different opinion than you. Yep. The world will go on. <laughs> That's unreal. Yeah. What would I yell out if he said I'd be like? You shouldn't yell anything. I would. I probably just yell would. it's a sin. Especially if uh, I had a couple glasses of wine, I'd probably go, "Yo, Dave, love you, man, but terrorism is not funny." <laughs> when you start uh, policing what is and isn't funny, then you're never dead. You're well, it's in not the policing. Wrong. No, you are. It's, you are. It's heckling. It's okay. It's like it's a lie. To say show. something never is never funny is wrong. Who had more of a right to walk out, the Chappelle audience or Phillies fans after the eighth? <laughs> no, I would never walk out on either. <laughs>
855-839-1210 if you would like to jump in. 745 right on the dot. It's time for a Tuesday edition of What's on the Cut Sheet. What's on the Cut Sheet? What's on the Cut Sheet on this Tuesday is brought to you by our good friends at Cherry Hole Volvo where they have ample inventory of brand new and beautiful pre-owned Volvos. Enjoy the luxury experience you deserve. They always go the extra mile for their customers because relationships matter at Cherry Hole Volvo. Check them out at Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill Volvo where relationships matter. Streaming live on YouTube, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHD. Please hit the like and subscribe button. We're at 86 likes on today's uh, broadcast. Please get us up to 100. If you're watching right now, please hit the like button. Always hit the subscribe button. Uh, we're Our, our plan is to get to, what, 5,000 by what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Come on, guys. Let's do this. Well, subscribe, to the, subscribe to the subscribe uh, the the station uh, uh, YouTube chat. Um, at 1210 WPHD. Uh, the long-awaited... Um, uh, uh, your wait is over, Nick Kale. Stephen Colbert returned from his his COVID. Oh, thank God. I, you know, I thought some prayers. I was getting ready to issue them. Well, his the first thing he said when he uh, opened up his show today uh, was um, uh, he contracted it because he missed his booster shot. Oh. <laughs> so he got it because he missed the booster. That's what he says okay. in this. Which is um, factually not possible because well, it doesn't prevent you from getting it. Well, uh, exactly. But he has a reason for this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to cut 10 here, guys. Happy to be back. Anybody over there had COVID recently? Anybody? Everybody uh, dodged a bullet? I thought, I forgot. You know, like a lot of, I kind of forgot, like, that's done. Oh, yeah. And Ev- Evie, my darling wife, said we should go get the we should go get the booster. I'm like, oh, I definitely I definitely want to go get the booster. Yeah, but uh, I I uh, I haven't had like a, a day off since we came back in. We've been making up for lost oh. time because we're off for five. Whoa, wait, wait. Yeah, you're only off for five months. He was off for five months. I haven't had a day off. Honey, wait. I've been working 28 hour <laughs> weeks for six weeks. I it, don't have time to do the groceries. It hasn't even been six weeks. I think it's been three or four. This guy's. A... I haven't had a week off in four weeks. Oh. God, um, what a clown! I want to start this clip over, uh, Phil, if you don't mind. Uh, starting it over right now. Happy to be back. Anybody over there had COVID recently? Anybody? Everybody uh, dodged a uh, bullet. I thought I forgot. You know, like a lot of I kind of forgot. Like that's done. Uh, yeah. And Ev- Evie, my darling wife, said we should go get the we should go get the booster. I'm like, oh, I definitely I definitely want to go get the booster. Yeah. But uh, I, I, uh, I haven't had, like, a, a day off since we came back in. We've been making up for lost time because we're off for five months. And last weekend, I was out in Los Angeles interviewing a big, big star who's going to be on the show in November. The, the star does not do talk shows. Is a legend. Like, truly, like, named legend of all legends, this is one of them. I was out in L.A., and, and I got COVID from traveling out there. Evie got the shot. She was missing the whole time. We did everything together. And fear not, we smooch plenty. And <laughs> she did. She she got the booster and did not get COVID. I did not get the booster and I got COVID. Wow. So wow. another round for you, science. <laughs> Hope you're happy. I'm so mad at science. I mean, what he was saying is factually incorrect. Yes. And, I, you know, he's just not the least bit funny. <laughs> you know, I don't know who, who are the biggest fools here. The audience that actually goes to see him, those who stay up to watch him, or the people that employ him and think he's funny. Um, and how about the beginning? Just listen to the tone in the beginning. Hey, did you get it? Did you get it? It's like, did you get the new Apple iPhone 15 <laughs> Titanium? Like, the, the joy in their voice when they talk about this virus 
is really bizarre. Like I mentioned it in the past, how like the left kind of romanticizes about COVID. It's almost like he was talking. Like, hey, did you try that new Mountain Dew Code Red? Pretty good. By the way, it, first of all, he's spreading uh, misinformation. That is correct here, because it's not the vaccine or the booster yes. that prevented his wife from getting it. We know that when we were all not vaxxed or boosted or whatever yep some people got it some didn't mm-hmm. just like the flu just like the cold sometimes my wife and child get a cold i don't get it yep. you know what i mean like like that just happens it- so so to sit here and say that it was because she got boosted and i didn't is factually wrong i agree and and everybody just claps yep and they they, they yuck it up some of them still believe it I just, I don't understand this. I, dude, I, I just saw yesterday there were people, I went to my chiropractor, as I do every month, and there were two people in the chiropractor's office wearing cloth masks. One had a Nike logo on it. And I just wanted to say to that lady, like, number one, they don't work. Yeah. And number two, if you're going to wear one, at least wear the KN95 instead, <laughs> of the, instead of the one that you bought at a retail store. <laughs> Uh, on the YouTube chat, Moose Knuckle writes. <laughs> Moose Knuckle. <laughs> I love. I love that. I love that we. I love. That, I love the tweeters and the YouTubers because they just have a great sense of humor. Moose Knuckle. Moose Knuckle writes. Isn't LA the most vaxxed area in the world? Tell me again how the vax works. It's true. It's true. You're literally going to the most vaccinated area in the country. With yeah. I'm sure. All of his rich friends. Yeah, he had. Sec- I'm sure he had security with him. He had uh, thousand producers, all of them vaxxed, and he still got it. So <laughs> moose knuckle. It just shows you, though, some people are just more susceptible than of others. Yeah. It just yes. depends on your DNA, yes. your health, all that stuff. And it's been like that since it's like the flu right since now. this thing started. Mm-hmm. And it's just gotten weaker. Yeah. So, so for him to say, "Well, it's because my wife was not like that clip." I don't like. I found that from a from a separate source. But if that's going around on Twitter, mm-hmm. that should be flagged, right? With the one of some oh, of those community a thousand notes. percent. Oh, that's classic crazy. flagging we situation. Should, we should look. Yep. Daniel, Anthony, Phil, if anybody's back there, you know. Now yeah. we have a team check, of producers. Check Colbert's uh, Colbert's Twitter. <laughs> check if he has a show page on Twitter, and check if CBS as a network posted that i would love to see if that clip is getting flagged for community notes because you know what that is misinformation that is correct that's all i'm saying Um, these these guys that keep getting covid by the way they need to start doing what i do just just go play golf drink like a fish you'll never get anything (laughs) uh let's go over to the libs of tiktok and have a little fun with uh mental illness shall we i've missed these people (laughs) hey did you rather hear colbert or somebody with a nose ring on tiktok so uh, this person on TikTok uh, says that whiteness needs to end, and it's not racist to say white people should die and never exist. This is a uh, this is this is this is a white liberal. No, says, well, of course, <laughs> uh, you have to see, you have to check out the you have to check out the uh, video too on YouTube. Like this is a deranged individual. <laughs> Cut nine. Seeing as melanin deficient Europeans created whiteness. Melanin deficient yes. Europeans. By the way, purple <laughs> purple hair and green beard. Yeah, that yeah. is the that is the trifecta there. Like if if I was trying to visualize what a moose knuckle looks like, <laughs> that's a moose knuckle right there. <laughs> you, you do know what one is, right, Nick? Moose knuckle? Oh, <clears throat> um 
I don't know, knuckle with uh, no. arthritis? Yeah, okay, okay. I'll, go, I'll look go it up there in the we'll break. Just, we'll just... Must have slipped my mind. <laughs> look, <laughs> look, look up the Urban Dictionary for it, okay? Oh, Urban, okay. Yeah. <laughs> learn, something <laughs> new, learn something new. <laughs> it's like the male version of Camel Toe, okay? Okay. Let me just uh, we <laughs> play, our, play our deranged friend as I do some um, reconnaissance work. We start out again. Cut nine. I'm going to start the cut over there, guys. Seeing as melanin-deficient Europeans created whiteness in order to enslave Africans and commit wholesale genocide, yeah, whiteness needs to end. Whiteness yes. needs to end. His Twitter he sounds handle. like a former talk show host on this radio station. Um, I'm sorry. His, <laughs> his TikTok handle is at Grunkle Frank, as in Grumpy Uncle. <laughs> I mean, you know, I there. I think there is some validity to this. If you tried to quantify this, I think there are white liberals out there at a far higher clip that want to end the white race more than maybe somebody <laughs> of another ethnicity or race. I mean, could you imagine if anybody else got on TikTok and said, "I want to end the black race" or "I want to end the Mexican race" or anything like like? Could you imagine the reaction? Yet it's just completely acceptable on social yep. media mm-hmm. to to be racist against white people by white people. Yep. By the way, this person was absolutely a, a BLM donor. Oh, of course. There's no doubt. Remember when I said that I think the people that took the bait on the scam of BLM is probably very white progressive liberals? Mm-hmm. This person right there, no doubt, had the the uh, the sign in the yard, has the <laughs> Ukraine bumper sticker, and donates to those causes. No uh, doubt. This is a woman uh, who freaks out over being misgendered. Okay. So it's my somebody, my fault that you're having. She went to uh, she went to a chiropractor or a doctor or something, and they misgendered her. Um, they didn't they didn't call her the correct pronouns. They them. Cut twelve. Y'all, I'm tired. Seven in the morning at the physical therapy. Can you? Uh, Can we freeze right. that? Let's just Box four. Look at, oh my, look, <laughs> look at those glasses. Look, look at that. It's like a bug. Uh, chubby face. <laughs> Old chubster. Uh, <laughs> oh, but but can you just the the psychology of a person mm-hmm. who uh, the first thing they want to do is to sit in front of their phone and stream live to TikTok or whatever and talk about how how they were misgendered. Yes, y'all, I'm tired. Like nobody cares. I, I just I I just don't see the sheer volume of incidents. Where these are starting to add up and they're stockpiling where like, oh my God, in the last, in the last calendar month, I was misgendered 22 times. I don't believe that happens. So it's like, uh, I, you know, I point out the left's obsession with identity politics from a political standpoint, but with these specific individuals, yeah, I don't understand the infatuation over what you are. Like, d- Greg, do you ever obsess no. over the fact that you're a man? No. Dawn, do you ever obsess over the fact that you're a heterosexual female? Nope. Like, is that something like that you like proudly advertise to the world, or no. do most people just assume <laughs> that you're a female? And probably odds are you're 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 straight. There, it's just it's just attention. I mean, look at her. <laughs> She's obviously she obviously needs attention from people. So. What's the best way for her to do that? To get on an app and just show how oppressed yeah. she is. Yeah, and, and also I think I think the pandemic exacerbated a lot of this. It gave these people way too much time to be at home, isolated, quarantined from other individuals, and stare into their phone for eighteen hours a day. I'm not sure that these people should be be allowed out. Just you know, I I hope they're all COVID freaks and they stay inside because no, like I just don't believe that their identity is being 
questioned or uh, misinterpreted yeah. as frequently as they claim it is. Ortho on the YouTube chat writes, I think that being a moron might have jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. And, see, the worst part is, is like, I mean, I, I, I genuinely think these people are having like a breakdown. Like, it's just, they, they, they think they know what they are, and clearly science is telling us they are not what they claim to be. And then when we question it, yep. and it doesn't happen as much as they claim it, it mm. does, they, they just like they just go off. Exactly. Like a like a ticking time bomb. Alright, I'm gonna start that clip over again there, guys. Yeah, I'm tired. Me too. Seven in the morning. And by the way, putting I'm, I'm sorry, I keep stopping this. By putting the music behind it. I know. Dun dun dun. I was misgendered. Yeah. Dun dun dun. Yeah, I don't know how TikTok TikTok works. Is that something you, you record the video like dry and then you add music in the and then yeah. you upload it? Okay. In post. In post. <laughs> Jeez. We'll clean this up in post. Yeah. Uh, the, all right. One more time, guys. Let's start this. Uninterrupted over. here. Uninterrupted, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. Seven in the morning at the physical therapy office, misgendered by someone who I've told my pronouns to. Mm-hmm. And I said, just to let you know, my pronouns are they, them. And they went, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. And then I had to explain oh boy. Um, too many times to my physical therapist that I didn't want to do an exercise right. where I had to crunch my face into my boobs. Mm-hmm. Chin chucks. Because that gave me, gives me gender dysphoria. <laughs> oh, so it doesn't make my neck cramp up. It gives me gender dysphoria. And oh by the what a psychopath! Oh by the way, always an attractive look when you have a tattoo going across the top of your chest from left to right. Well, if, if it's on the right person, yeah, better. I'm not against a uh, you know an inked up breast <laughs> if it's on the right body. Uh, and by the way, multiple references there to physical therapy. Mm. I would say she's attending the wrong kind of therapy, <laughs> she, but I don't know what's physically ailing her. Yeah. By the way, the words exercise and her don't go in the same. <laughs> no. Those glasses though, kind of a throwback. Yeah, well, my I grandmother mean, had those back in the fifties. Big glasses with the nose thing yeah. on them. Looks. Um, I, I we're there's a there is a generation crying out for help, guys. That's it. That's it right <laughs> it, there. It, it really is. That's I them. Mean, like, and what do we do? I mean, do we do we mock them on on shows like this, or do we try and give them help? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you do. They just want you to. And again, she mentions the, the, the failure to use the pronouns. Again, I've mentioned this on the air. I'm trying to play out in my head how a conversation goes back and forth where you're using the pronouns. Because I would assume that the physical therapist is just calling this person by their first name or their last name. Uh, where, where, where is the actual usage of the pronoun in the conversational setting? I think it's all fabricated. But by the way, if somebody screams at me, my pronouns are they, them, like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, what Like, what are you supposed to say? I, I just thought of a bit. What do you think what? about this? What if, like, we get Daniel Valdez, Uh-oh. and and since he lives, you know, 800 yards from me, um, we go to a bunch of random retail establishments. We'll go into, like, a Starbucks. Uh, we'll go into a Target, uh, whatever, and Valdez will be recording. And I'll just go in and out of stores just shouting my pronouns and just seeing what people's responses are. I like it. I like it. People look at you like you're a psycho. Right. As they should. Right. And then I want to feel what it feels like to say that and then yeah. feel feel bad about myself and apologize to the world. Well, let me ask you, like, if, if somebody, Dawn, if somebody, because 
I feel like this is the same thing. If somebody said to you, obviously you're married, so the right. the, the correct title would be Mrs. But yes. if somebody called you Miss or Miss Ms, would you be like, excuse me, Mrs. You know what I mean? Like it's the same thing, right? Pretty much. Let's not put so much thought into having he slash she and all these pro- like. Honestly, God, you never gave a damn about pronouns in school when they taught you how to use them properly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you attach them to your gender identity, and it's the be-all. I would argue that their pronouns mean more to them than their debit card, losing their license, possibly yep. dropping their social security card. Yep, <laughs> It's like their whole existence. And that's just it. If all you can talk about mm. is your pronouns, mm. if that's all you have, it's like, what was the... Uh, the jerk, Steve Martin. Yep. All I have is this chair. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you might as well say the chair. Like, yeah, and right. cling to your chair. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they're doing. They're clinging to to something that is it actually not even... It's it's an inanimate, it's an inanimate object, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. not even a chair. Right. And they're, they're clinging to their pronouns because they don't have self-esteem or success or a job or anything. So they have to cling to something. Mm-hmm. That's they, what it is. It's desperate. They need therapists to, yeah. like, to sit down and talk to them and be like, okay, let's get to the root of why you're actually like this. It's not yeah. It's not about the pronouns. Yeah, no. they really, what is it? Greg, they need a job and they need a purpose <laughs> just, in life. I was just going to say You that. know, I'm actually going to rescind my take from yesterday yeah. about getting away from college. No, yeah. I think people should go to college. We should all major in psychology. Yep. Get our master's in, uh, in therapy. Because the market has got to be booming right now. You can't get enough of these people in your office. It's true. It's absolutely true. You're, you're, yeah. We need. They need. They need a. They need a job because when you have a job, a family, whatever, friends, like you're, you're busy. Mm-hmm. You don't have time to sit there and worry about. Like I would love for ten minutes, fifteen minutes of my day where I could just turn to my phone and be like, "Hey, y'all, I'm so tired. <laughs> Let me tell you about my day today." And I was misgendered. By the way, some might say that the longer I grow my hair out is the reason <laughs> I'm growing a beard so people don't mistake me for a woman. <laughs> like, look, I have a beard, therefore I am a man. Uh, do you remember yesterday, uh, guys, when we played the uh, the Elon Omar clip where she flipped out yeah. at a reporter for asking the question, how many people, how many, how many Palestinians is it okay to die? How many? How many will make you happy? That clip. Yep. So apparently she was responding to another squad member that was Dem uh, Democratic Representative uh, Richie Torres from New, New York. York. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he apparently took issue with something Elon Omar said, and this reporter was asking her to respond to it. So uh, Rep Torres was on yesterday uh, with one of the shows. Uh, responding to the clip that we played yesterday, which is how this clip begins. Cut eight. Congressman, your colleague, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, she is also, like you, a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. She called you out on Friday. Listen to what she said. How many more killings is enough for you? Is it a thousand more? 2,000 more? 3,000 more? How many more Palestinians would make you happy if they died? Do you, you, will you be fine if all of the people of Gaza were gone? Would that make you happy? Would that be the thing that makes you proud? And maybe that's the question you should ask Richie. Is he okay? How many more Palestinian lives is he comfortable with? What's your response? 
Uh, I mean, I obviously resent those comments. You know, every casualty is a tragedy. Uh, every war is a humanitarian crisis. But we have to keep in mind the causes of the war. Israel did not start the war. Bingo. The war was imposed upon Israel by the barbaric terrorism of Hamas, which butchered 1,400 Israelis, including babies. You know, my colleague, Representative Omar, you know, has voted against uh, Iron Dome, which is a missile defense system that protects Israeli civilians from relentless rocket fire. Were it not for Iron Dome interceptions, there would be far more dead Israelis, far more by orders of magnitude. And so the policy positions that she has taken would have led to even more dead Israelis and more dead Palestinians. Wow. So this wow. is this is where, and I hate using this word anymore because Ron DeSantis has ruined it for everybody, but the word <laughs> woke, this is where woke goes to eat woke. I this, thought you were going to say mustard. No, no, I could go for some mustard right now, to be honest, <laughs> put on a nice sandwich, a little hungry. Uh, but no, this is where woke eventually will eat its own and devour its own. So we have two squad Dems going after each other because Richie Torres can at least arrive at the conclusion that Israel is not the aggressor or the agitator here it is hamas and that is driving ilhan omar of minnesota completely bat bleep insane and oh by the way poor podium etiquette from her she's not even standing in front of the microphones at the podium so i don't even think it was her that was supposed to be talking initially yeah, it was it, it was the one with that's got the, the shaved head Ayanna presley Ayanna presley another yeah. squad dem another nut job but at least richie torres can have the basic common I, sense that he said there i will say this that it is nice to see Nice to see in a like in a positive way that a lot of these squad Dems are now being called out by their own caucus members mm-hmm. and their own party before the for the creeps that they are like they, these 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 women should not even be in Congress. Omar I like and Thank Tla- you. I think Tlaib's now tripled down yeah, on her stance. It is just it is it is disgraceful mm-hmm. that they that that they have this this platform that they do and they represent people. Yep. Um so I'm I'm glad that their own party is calling them out. They they need they need more of this and I think this has exposed a lot of what they really stand for, yes. which is which is frightening. You know, it really is frightening to see. Um, a little, um, a little uh, instant feedback, if you guys will. Yep. Uh, John Doe by Choice writes, this is in response to um, the Dave Chappelle conversation we were having at 7.30. He says, nothing is off limits for a comedian. Got it. Okay, Greg, let's hear you joke about savaging and raping women, decapitating babies, and murdering entire families. I could use a good laugh after the Phillies lost last night. <laughs> Boy, John Doe by Choice, you sure know yes. how to throw a turd in a punch bowl, don't yeah. you? Um, but that's what I was saying. No, I, 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 I'm sorry. You can respond after I just say this. I stand by my statement. Nothing is off limits for comedians. I agree. Nothing. I agree. I no, don't. I disagree. I think that you're allowed to heckle if somebody. It's like if what if right after nine eleven he had been in a comedy place and started telling jokes. It's too soon. That's actually a joke. Too soon. Mm-hmm. It's it's too soon. It, you still have hostages in there, and people are allowed to heckle him. I wouldn't walk out, but I'd heckle him. The great Gilbert Gottfried uh, had a j- joke. I think it was the Hugh Hefner roast right after nine eleven about nine eleven, and you know what? He got roasted for it, roasted mm-hmm. for it. But we look back on it, and it's just like sometimes you need stuff like that to yeah. kind of get over Maybe. the. 
It's it's the it's you know it's yeah. the shock value that you right. need to get over. It's like, but wow, it wasn't okay. the joke that he said. He allegedly said two wrongs don't make a right, and that pees me off. And I would definitely heckle him. I don't think which I'm allowed to do. I don't think hate yeah. hate speech should be protected under the First Amendment and free speech. But I and I also think you know timing sometimes does matter. If you're offended by it based on eh, I don't know this is the right time to go there. I understand. Like I don't agree with it, but you have the right to feel that way. But what I'm so like overly amazed is is what some of these squad dems and other people that are triggered by certain things. The same left wingers that looked at a lot of the last three and a half years as well. Uh, Republicans are Nazis and Trump supporters. Are, they're the ones now that are not. Con- they're not condemning the attacks on the on the Jews. Mm-hmm. That I mean. So think about that. That almost. I hate to say it. It's almost a predictable pivot like you can't sit there and claim that trump supporters and republicans and maga are are the are nazis and blah 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 blah, and then be pro hamas when jewish people are being slaughtered but to, to your point with Chappelle, um i go into anything knowing that i can't be offended like to me that should be on the wall if, Enter at your own risk. Be prepared for the cringe. If we start policing people's comedy and speech, I agree. where does it end? I agree. Somebody's hate speech is not necessarily your hate speech. And you can't do it in what, movies? Then you can't. Exactly. In, in it's, music? It's, I said this yesterday. It's these slippery slopes we go down where targeting somebody for hate speech. Well, what is considered hate speech? What is considered off-limits comedy? You know what I mean? Like, like, can we not joke about this? Can we not joke about that? What's funny to one person is not funny to another person. I get it. You know but what I mean? I, I, like, think, I think for the most part, though, y- y- when you when you see hate speech, you see it. If you hear it, you hear it. No, it's. I mean, if somebody's uh, wa- if somebody's walking around with a megaphone saying death, death to the Ju- saying death to the Jews, you and John will be the death of me. Is that not hate speech? <laughs> I mean, let's 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 be uh, a functional, rational adults and say if I I mean if I'm liter- if I was to walk down Market Street right now with Zioli's megaphone and I'm yelling death to the Jews, yeah, is that not hate speech? If somebody, if somebody thinks that's not hate speech, it's 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 deplorable speech, of course. Okay. But hate speech? Well, what's the what's so what wrong, is what what is? Uh, but what's so wrong with using the word hate? Like we hear, oh, that's a, we can't we can't use that word. Like no, hate speech is hate speech. You see, you see it when you see it. D. Moss writes, uh, Chappelle wasn't cracking jokes; he was giving a political speech against it's, Israel. Yeah, I, that's that's the weird piece of it. I think. This, he wasn't good with the hecklers. Okay, I think it. I think it sounds like. So let's let's go back to Dawn's best friend Ann Coulter. She was going to give a not. speech. She was going to give a speech that some people deemed hate speech <clears throat> and <throat> didn't like what she was having to. Say. She she was and they protested her and they boycotted her. So let's so let's boycott and bro, uh, protest Dave Chappelle because we don't like what he says. It's the same thing. No, it isn't. Yeah, I, of course it is. I what I said was I wouldn't make a federal case of it, but if he started. So what they're reporting is, and I, I wish we could hear the audio, what they're reporting is he had a bit and he said he, he made, he incorporated the situation into his routine. People didn't find it funny. Then he started conversing with the hecklers, mm-hmm. but not being funny, giving a commentary. That's what they're all well, saying. Not, not being funny, according to who? Funny is subjective, isn't well, it? No, it was yeah. like a conversation. It wasn't part of his bit. Well, I've, I've heard stretches where Chappelle will talk at a very uh, low-key yeah, level, true. and he's almost kind of lecturing, but I still think that, it's part of his routine. But that's I actually his, think that's because, his bit now. Yes, because of that, now. it is his... So so part of it is that I 
uh, as a, an audience member, I would. I would probably shout out, love you, Dave, but this isn't funny. Or, you know, terrorism, murder, rape is not funny. I probably would because then he might react to that. Karen Dawn. No, it's not Karen <laughs> because I still love him. And I just think that he he is a smart, uh, funny guy. But I also think to say two wrongs don't make a right in the context of civilians having their doors busted down and being slaughtered, raped, and murdered. Like, dude, that's not two wrongs. Don't make a right. That is, that is a... We all agree with the premise of what he's right. saying. Like, but it's, my, it's, my question is, where do you then draw like, to what So Greg I'm not going to cancel him. I'm no, still going to go to another not. concert. No. I'm just saying, if you're in that crowd and you paid for that ticket, you're allowed to, to help yell something out if you want to interact. It's a live show and it's interactive. I, I mean, I just stick comedy and stand-up. I put it in the same category as anything with music, at TV shows, movies, theaters, plays, drama. Like, to me, it's all entertainment. And at the end of the day, I know that you probably don't mean that. And even if you do, I mean, still. No, he me- he means it. Yeah. I, I, so what if he does? So what if he does? So if I paid for the ticket and it's a live interactive audience, I'm not doing what you're it's saying. It's not an interactive not, audience, though. It is, though. You, you pay to sit a there and, and, show and, and laugh and watch him and clap like a seal. He, he, That's he, what you pay to do. This stuff he, is interactive, though. Here's another setting where this stuff is played out in real time in a theatrical performance. Remember years ago, and they don't do this anymore because they've gotten too politically correct, but professional wrestling used to really play off of the Israel-Middle East conflict. They created characters and wrestlers that were, uh, I mean, the Iron Sheik, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, it's whatever was going on yes. in, at the time. And there yeah, was always course. the little political time and they don't touch that anymore. Yeah. I I agree with you that it, it's just like it, it's uh, this whole this whole notion of like we we have to censor this or we have to you know it's just it's where does it end? Like where does this end? If you don't like going to a Dave Chappelle show, you know what you're going to get. And if you don't agree with it, then don't go to the show. I agree. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, he, he has the right to say whatever he wants to say. He does. And you have the right as a heckler to heckle it. But it ends there. All I'm saying is it ends there. It, it, I wouldn't cancel him. Oh, I would no, never cancel not. him. No, of course not. And he's already been some, semi-canceled and, you know, mm-hmm. you know on mm-hmm. the precipice of being shut down. Uh, and, and to, to his, his credit, and I think the, the lesson to be learned here is, especially when you do have a following... The more you go after to shut that person down, the stronger they become, right? You look at Trump. Every time he gets indicted, polls go up. Every time Chappelle gets attacked, his Netflix series do better. Jason Aldean's song, mm. what's it do? It becomes number one on the charts, yep. right? Yep. Um, Lucy writes, uh, we're on the, uh, this is in response to some of those TikTok uh, nut jobs that we were playing. Uh, Lucy writes, uh, we're on the verge of World War III, and that girl is our greatest generation. God help us. Yeah. That's a true point. Yeah, you think Hamas cares about That's your pronouns? True point. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of being on the verge of World War III, a Wolf Blitzer discussed uh, in an interview with a White House spokesperson yesterday on the possibility of war with Iran. You know, we, we talked about it, the U.S. and Iran both kind of lurking on the outside, waiting to do something. Cut 11. CNN has learned that the U.S. has intelligence right now that Iranian-backed militia groups are planning to further ramp up attacks against American forces in the Middle East. What is the Biden administration prepared to do to combat this? Well, without speaking to a specific intelligence, this is something we've been watching very, very closely. In fact, uh, today we were uh, very clear 
publicly that uh, we know Iran's back in these groups. Uh, we know that they're giving them the means, the resources, the training, uh, uh, the encouragement, uh, and direct contacts with the IRGC, the Quds forces at will, the uh, Revolutionary Guard, uh, to conduct these attacks on, on our troops. We will do what we have to do to protect uh, our forces, facilities in the region. That will continue. Uh, and we've sent a strong signal to Iran through the additional military capabilities that, uh, that we're putting in the region, that we have national security interests writ large across that region, and we're going to protect and defend them as well. So is a U.S. war against Iran possible? I think what we want to see more than anything, Wolf, is no widening of this conflict, no deepening of it. And we continue to send a strong message uh, to actors in the region, including Iran, uh, that if you're thinking about jumping in here, you're thinking about deepening and widening and escalating, uh, don't do it. We, we will take our national security interests very, very seriously in the region. Uh, and we've added to the military capabilities uh, to make sure that we can do that. Well, I would argue you haven't sent a strong enough message uh, because we have escalating conflicts on, on multiple uh, hot spots throughout the globe. And also you've f released six billion dollars in funds and then you're going to send humanitarian aid to Gaza. We've talked about that uh, after Joe's uh, State of the Union, so to speak, last Thursday when he gave that primetime address. I, I will say this. Um, I don't know who I'm getting more exhausted by hearing say nothing, whether it's Anthony Blinken, no H in there, don't forget that, folks, or John Kirby. Both of these two guys, and I get it, it's part of their job, and I, they got to come out there and say a whole bunch of nothing, uh, but you, you, can read, you can read the tea leaves here. You, you can read the room. Um, America is just waiting for Iran to go in there, and then we're going to end up funding more nonsense. I am. I, I've said this for the last. How long we've we been talking about this? It's been, it seems like six years. Uh, I've been saying this since the start. Uh, the drum beats of war are pounding. Oh, of course they we are. Need to. We need to. Um, we need to be very aware of what is happening because they are marching us towards war. I'm and, telling you, they and, are marching us towards and keep war. In mind I don't this, like it. Keep in mind the history and the strategy of entering conflict heading into an election year. This. This. I think, at least in past cases gives the current president a better chance to be reelected we are going to get in another damn war that is not our fight that we have no business being in and we're going to be there for another freaking 20 years i'm yeah. telling you i'm telling you this is i've seen this movie play out we all have it happened 20 20 years ago i was told this was going to happen in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 but i i don't even want to make this political i get it like, you know, we we can have the discussion about Biden and the Biden administration. What I'm talking about is that it, it is this is this is happening, whether we like it or not. And it scares the living you know what out of me, because I, I just I, I it, we're, we're making the same mistakes we did in 2003. And let's ask the question too. forget about whether this would have happened under Trump or not. But what happens if we do enter war and it plays out where Trump gets reelected? Is it too late for Trump to step in and arrange peace and negotiations and settle? Because if he is the president, I don't think we are here. That being said, if he gets reelected, it might be too late for him to be able to go in there and say, this is the way we're going to you know, negotiate things, art of the deal. At that point, you've got bodies on the ground. You've got ground invasions. Um, yeah. it, you know, the. I will say this. The military industrial complex is very strong, very powerful, and I don't believe there is a single president that can stop it. Mm. Not one. I'm just telling you. 
Well, it doesn't help when you've got guys like Lindsey Graham that have been around forever that it's just not, can't it, get enough of the war. He's a he's a useful idiot. It 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 goes it goes deeper oh, than that. You know, when when everybody mocked and talked about the deep state, like there is a deep state. It's just it's the military industrial complex. It's the people hiding behind the scenes that every chance that they can see to go into war, they want to. Yep. Because it funds this, it funds that, it, it, you know, it helps this, it helps that. And by the way, Iran's not the last actor that will officially jump into the fray here. You know, it's going to start out with Hamas, and then here comes Iran, possibly Hezbollah, and then there are other Arab nations that are either actively involved or funding it indirectly or sending fighter. I mean, this is, like, the war on terror is a difficult war because... It's not just isolated to mm-hmm. one specific country. Amen. Right? Yep. And when it comes to Islamic radical fighters, they're not just Arabic. Yeah. Some of them yeah. are German. Some of them are British. Some of them are American. Some of them are African-American. It's this open-ended thing of where does it end? Right. Where does terrorism end? Right. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it is this open-ended thing that we are we always have our foot in because it's like, well, it's... it's it, and not it's terrorism. Just, and it's it's, like, it's, it's going to help the U.S. It's not like you get a uniform when you become a terrorist that says, like, a big green jumpsuit that says, I'm a terrorist, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and that's the danger of it in America is a lot of these sleeper cells, they're living in your community, and you might have no idea that they've become radicalized. Yeah. It's almost, in some regards, it's almost like a shadowy stealth-type enemy that, you know, it's not your traditional... Mm-hmm soldier so to speak wendy writes congress should be on first on the front lines i agree i agree you want to send you want to send my kids there then, then yeah you you better damn well bet that your ass better be out there fighting that's all i'm saying sorry agreed just gets frustrating no. I, I just I, this, I don't I, mean, you know I've, I've 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 we've been down this road so many times and it's just it's it's never ending and nobody can stop it no it's nobody big. can stop it and, and to be honest you know i know we sit here and talk about um, we've heard for the last two and a half weeks that uh, it's been a relatively stable region. Has it? Yep. Has it really? I mean, because let's be honest, in the last 20 years, we've had many different factions. First, it was the Taliban. Then it was Al Qaeda. Then uh, towards the end of the second Obama term, you had the rise of ISIS. And then Trump decimates and obliterates ISIS. And now here comes Hamas. So it's like three or four different um, factions, so to speak, with really the same general mission statement we're never going to be able to uh uh, stamp out all of the countries and factions that hate us around the world never not so the only thing that we can do as the united states is to put up a, a, a strong defense to our own country meaning don't let every tom dick and harry in this country don't like like let's police our own borders mm-hmm. and 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 not let evildoers as best we can yeah. into the United States. That's how that's how we fight this. And and also not just the southern border because that's obvious because you can physically, you know, see the territory and, you know, the wall and the lack of finishing a wall and all of that, but let's not have an intel failure like Israel had um in this country again like we had on 9/11. Like there's there's no excuse in this country to ever have ever again anything remotely close to 9-11 happening not not even remotely close um 
Lee Bo on the YouTube chat writes, major players on both sides want this conflict in the Middle East to continue for freaking ever. Yeah. I, I agree. This is not a this is this is not a partisan thing. It's literally both Republicans and, and Democrats that that uh, have a vested interest in making this happen. You want to send troops over there? Put troops on our put troops on our border rather than sending them over mm-hmm. to the Middle East. Put troops on our border. Think think about think about this. I'm sure they'd be happy to do that for something that will impact us on a daily basis. You know, let, let's say the U.S. and Iran enter this conflict directly, and it's officially a war, and you have an election year. You know what gas is going to cost next year? I know. By the way, Sid on the YouTube chat writes, can we go back to talking about Taylor Swift? Yeah. Yeah, let's get it back to Travis <laughs> Kelsey. Yeah. I've had it. Where's Tony Bruno at? We don't care about the climate. Or or Britney Spears. I started off talking about Colbert and Libs of TikTok. Yes. You know, look, these are the cuts that I'm given. Yes. This is what we have to do. Hey, I have an Eagles classy gesture story coming up in a little bit for those that want something a little lighter. Uh, John Kirby was was in the um, in the press briefing room yesterday taking questions. Jackie Heinrich asked a question that we've been talking about uh, for a little while now on the humanitarian aid that's going over to the Middle East. Has the money been diverted to Hamas? And he's don't worry. There's no indication, and they're keeping close eye on if that's going to happen or not. Cut six. But on the on the aid portion, now how, for instance, are you going to convince people that this is not going to get into Hamas's hands uh, yeah. when, for instance, you know, we saw fraud with something like COVID relief money in the U.S. Um, and we're now talking about securing an understanding with Hamas, a terror group, about how this humanitarian aid should be used. I mean, how can you convince people that that is going to be a worthwhile, necessary, and secure endeavor? We certainly share concerns about any diversion of humanitarian assistance for Hamas purposes. I mean, for instance, fuel is a good example. You know, that uh, we know that they need fuel to be able to uh, electrify and to power up uh, their tunnels, for instance, you know, keep the lights on. And we, we understand that. We're, we're not blind to the potential uh, concerns here uh, over diversion, which is why Ambassador Satterfield is on the ground. His whole purpose is to make sure that that humanitarian assistance can get to the Palestinian people. We have seen no indications as of today that any of the trucks that Kareem talked about, any of the material in those trucks, have been diverted to Hamas or been absconded by Hamas. That, uh, in fact, every indication that we have is that it has, in fact, gone to uh, to the Palestinian people who who are are in desperate need for it. I would remind folks that we have trusted partners on the ground, humanitarian aid organizations, and of course the UN Relief Agency is on the ground, and they very much are taking. Uh, uh, a personal stake, a professional personal stake, in making sure that that aid is getting uh, where it's needed. Okay. Uh, we're go- and we're going to watch it. Cl- obviously, we're going to watch this closely. We we don't want to see Hamas benefit any more than anybody else does. I think it's a very good question from Jackie Heinrich. Why should the American public believe and trust that this won't go south on you? Uh, and we have seen countless times with whether it's here, COVID relief funds. Our southern border, not knowing who comes into this country. And then, of course, when you hand over this type of aid and think about it, you're aiding it to the north and you're aiding it to the south. You are releasing the six billion dollars in funds to Iran, which is a big financer of this operation. And oh, by the way, you know, some of that, quote, humanitarian aid is going to end up in the hands of Hamas. They've got way too many people kind of, you know, you know, in a way. 
the Palestinians and Hamas, very similar to the Mexican cartel in Mexico. You don't know who is on the up and up and who's been corrupted. And that's going to be one of the big problems. So I think that was a very good question from Jackie. As Joe would say, where's Jackie at? 855-839-1210, the phone number. All right, that'll do it for the first installment of What's on the Cut Sheet. We will get to Don Stenzel's Big Three on the other side. Also, a very classy gesture by Jeffrey Lurie and the Philadelphia Eagles from Sunday night. If you did not see this story, uh, a very good look for the football team when it comes to the conflict in the Middle East, and we'll get to that on the other side. But first, let me get to my friends at the Piazza Auto Group. Was just texting with my sister last night. She's on the verge of acquiring a vehicle from the Piazza Auto Group. She's narrowed it down to a Land Rover or a Mercedes Benz, and she has been blown away by the inventory and the selection. And she hasn't even met with the Piazza Auto Group people yet, but that's going to be happening in a matter of days. And she knows she's in good hands, just like I have been since really February when I sampled a variety of their vehicles and then settled in around Memorial Day on the 2023 Honda Ridgeline Black Edition from Piazza Honda of Springfield. If you're a truck person like me, you are absolutely going to love this vehicle. And you can still take advantage of 0.9% APR financing with locations in Springfield, Philadelphia, Langhorne, Pottstown, or Reading. They've got options for everybody. And if you're not a truck person, that's fine. How about the Honda Civic? Incredible on gas. The award-winning Honda Accord. The CRV. The newly reconfigured and redesigned Pilot SUV. It's an absolute stunner. The Piazza Auto Group, 17 brands, 35 locations. It is my go-to for all things automotive. It's going to be my sister's as well, Dawn Stenzlin, her boys. To find your new or certified pre-owned vehicle, just check them out like all of us are doing right now. PiazzaAutoGroup.com. It's Kale & Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. This time of year, <clears throat> I replace, you know, the wreath, the pink flowery wreath with the nice fall foliage wreath. Maybe you're looking at the exterior of your house and you're thinking, oh, I wish I could spiff things up. What about some, what about that front door makeover? Or what about premium architecture shutters designed to last a lifetime, historically accurate hardware options, lifetime warranty, really can make your house pop, make it look beautiful as Maybe you invite family and friends over for the holidays. Whatever you're thinking about. Maybe you need new windows. Maybe you're thinking about energy efficiency. You can always trust my friends at Chapman Windows, Doors, and Siding. They've done beautiful work on my home. I love all their work. I love the patio doors especially. But you got to see all the amazing options available to customize your home if that's what you need. The Chapman family team, they do it all. Stucco remediation, windows, doors, siding. There is a Chapman difference I'm always raving about. Meticulous work, outstanding service, high-quality products installed by high-quality people. They're going to respect your family budget, too. 610-431-8898. You can call them. You can text them. 610-431-8898. They're local. Mike and Mark Chapman started this business in Chester County. They're here. ChapmanWindowsDoors.com. Start your day with Kale and Company, weekday mornings 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, Nick, Dawn, and Greg, 855-839-1210. Get us on the free Odyssey app, watch us live on YouTube, tweet us, Instagram us, send us postcards, smoke signals, hate mail. (laughs) 
whatever you want to do. It's your world. We're just living in it. A lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, we've got some stuff in the world of television I want to get to. Whether or not the 2024 election can save TV. Think about where TV's at when we're posing that question. Uh, also, the recipe is very simple. If you want people to consume good content, just keep it simple and keep it entertaining. And that's something that CBS has realized with the reruns that they're airing of Yellowstone, a ratings phenomenon yeah. that we have to get to. Uh, so we'll get to that as we continue this morning. And a cre- really a, a beautiful gesture by the Philadelphia Eagles uh, on Sunday night uh, when it comes to Israel and the Middle East and our involvement or some of the sad, tragic stuff involving American citizens. So we'll get to that as well. Uh, we'll also get to your calls. I know we've got some people on the line, so hang tight. 855-839-1210. Uh, but let's get to the news. 836, and here's Dawn Stenzel with the Big 3 at 8. It's the Big 3 at 8 on Kaling Company. And Big 3 at 8 this morning, sponsored by Best Work Industries for the Blind. So many road closures this morning in Philadelphia in and around the city, this as the funeral is underway for a Philadelphia police officer killed in that airport garage. Um, so the streets near the Basilica are all shut down. This is a tribute and service in commemoration of 50-year-old officer Richard Mendez, shot to death, 22-year veteran of the Philadelphia Police Department. Uh, it, it, a sea of law enforcement as his flag draped. Uh, casket was brought into the basilica not a dry eye and just thousands of law enforcement have filled and family and friends not just from this area but from across the country paying tribute during this solemn morning in philadelphia as the city buries one of its finest officer richard mendez and funeral services for him and there is his uh, widow his family members as well so all three suspects in that in that situation, in that crime, heinous crime in Philadelphia, have all been caught. And these funeral services um, and the procession continue through today, through noon today. So many road closures in Philadelphia. And by the way, his partner who survived that attack, that shooting at the airport, Officer Raul Ortiz, had received an outpouring of support and a standing ovation from Philly's fans uh, during one of our, you know, playoff series. And so it was a great moment for Philadelphia. I don't know if anything this evening for Game 7 is planned, but I know that Officer Raul Ortiz, his family, friends, and fellow officers said how much it meant to him. Yeah, even if he couldn't make the game tonight, I would love yeah. to see him maybe like on the Jumbotron yeah. via Zoom just to get the fans fired up. That would be and a just, really touching yeah. moment. And just to, I, I thought it was a great show of support. Yeah. And, and really... It, According to, I mean, I've talked to so many in law enforcement who said it just meant a lot, not just to these gentlemen's families, but just in general, mm-hmm. you know, just for everybody because it's such a downtime. You know, it's got to be really upsetting, too. I was just thinking about this, the, the tradition of when you a- apprehend a cop killer, you know, cuffing him in yeah. the fallen officer's cuffs. I don't know if other officers, um, when they apprehend them, are cognizant of that at the moment. I'm sure some of them are because they know the tradition. But that's got to be an incredibly gut-wrenching, yeah. um, touching moment when you see one of your fallen brothers go down, and then you that moment where you put the cuff on that loser. Um, yeah. Just been thinking about that, too. Yeah. Well put. Uh, number three, I will take you to, since Sid Weiss had asked for 
Sailor Twift or whatever. I'll, not Sailor Twift, but Britney Spears. So we're learning more about Britney. She has a, a new book coming out, and it's she's on the cover of a bunch of magazines. One of the revelations, since you were talking about another brother lover, uh, she reveals that she slept in the same bed as her big brother until the sixth grade yeah, when odd. her mom finally forbade it and insisted she return to her own room. Yeah, that's weird. 12 years old, sleeping with your brother still? Yeah, I don't know about that. It sounds like... I, I don't even want kids sleeping with parents after, not, like, six years old. Not that she said that there was anything that weird happened. It sounded like those kids had a lot going on, and she well, we also don't know the size. loved her brother. We also don't know the size of the house, right? Maybe yeah, it was a they small house. Or the yeah. size of the bed. Yeah, they weren't wealthy. Yeah. They weren't wealthy people. Yeah, that's a good point, Greg. Yeah. Right. Was this but, back in the day when she was on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? I, well, I mean, yeah, she, yeah, 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 because I mean, she would have been in the sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. Strange. But I don't know. I think I just remember my brother John, and he would if I was scared, and I would go in his room, and he'd say, "You have to scratch my back." <laughs> so I, felt, I was like scratching his back, and my arm. Well, he didn't have a back scratcher. One no, of those wooden we, ones. No, we were a little kid. We were like, you know, I don't know, four and six. And I'm like <laughs> scratching. I'm like Johnny. <laughs> I have a back scratcher at home right now. <laughs> Love that thing. But did you? Did I don't know? Did you and Aaron when you were little? Did you? Sleep like, in the same bed? Yeah, Greg was no. an only child, so he can't relate. No. So no, nobody got scared and said, can I? I, I mean, I, I'm three years older than my sister, so I, I mean, maybe in 1990 when I was six and she was three, yeah. it might have happened for like an hour. A like, yeah, middle of a thunderstorm or something like that. But uh, I have no recollection of ever being in the same bed with my sister. Aww. But I'm sure if I'm wrong, she'll text me in about two minutes. <laughs> she'll say, what? Yeah. You're my hero. You're my protector. No, I'm not her hero. Trust me. <laughs> But in this one, I'm not Britney Spears. I feel sad for her. She's she obviously has a lot of mental health issues going on. But yeah, but she's been in the news too much lately. Yeah. She's she's also a pain in the ass. No, yeah, she is dancing with knives. No. Then she got pulled over for. They drug. were fake knives. They were uh, plastic knives. I'm just gonna say, if you have a celebrity death pool going, all oh, my money's on her. Brittany. No, it's sad. <laughs> it's Britney. Yeah, exactly. And she also said in her book that that Justin Timberlake. I always liked him, but. Apparently, she became pregnant, and he forced yeah, her to have Yeah, when they were abortion. 18. Yeah. Yeah, Justin Timberlake got out, though, at the right time, I think, before wait, she wait, went wait, crazy. Wait. Forced her? Like, really? Like, it's the guy's fault? I'm blaming the guy. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm Team Britney. He went from, he went from Britney <laughs> to Jessica Simpson to Jessica Beale. Yeah. He's gotten progressively better. I don't think Beale's crazy, but the, the first two were. I know. I feel bad for Britney. I hope all's well with her. She's well, a kook. May- give me a break. All right, so celebrity death match: Britney against Taylor Swift. Yeah. Only one can survive. Who are you rooting for? Well, Taylor's going to survive. Taylor is a, a total survivor, mark a survivor, marketing queen. Yeah, very wealthy business. I mean, she's got a mind for business too. Do you guys see the front page of the New York Post today? Yeah. So we've got uh, four T's split screen. Each of them getting half of the attention. We got Travis and Taylor to the left. And then Tehran terrors to the right. Oh, God. What a world we're living in right now where the two biggest stories are a tight end and a singer dating. Uh, and then we've got uh, Iran and terror going on in the Middle East and our involvement. What a great time to be alive. Yeah, I mean, all the Taylor Swift news to Sid's point. Taylor Swift's cruel summer hits number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Here, uh, Travis Kelsey's dad, Ed Talks. Very sweet, Taylor Swift. Put the uh, camera uh, on me for a second there, Daniel. I have the uh, front page of the New York Post. The stalker in box three here. There we go. There we go. Magic Mm -hmm. bus. Look at that. Magic bus. There we go. Nice to see him kissing. 
little peck on the cheek from Taylor. Yeah. Kisses Travis Kelsey following the Kansas City God. Chiefs game. Yeah. There's one couple that I smooch. wish would. I want the Eagles to play them in the Super Bowl, and I want them to beat them by 50. Yeah. It's sweet. It's it's a distraction. It's sickening. Sickening. Slocker, impose, a, ma- impose a ban. I, I will actually adhere to the ban. I don't, want, I don't want these people brought up ever again. And I brought it up, so it's my fault. So, I don't know if you listen to their podcast because no. you're sick of the Kelsey Everybody's Brothers. Everybody's got a podcast. Yeah, but we have the better. We have Jason. So, in their podcast, they reveal, I'm just going to say this because it's a great story, that in there, Andy Reid calls during the draft. He calls Travis, the lesser brother, mm-hmm. and gets him on. He goes, don't, like I'm paraphrasing, but don't, don't mess this up because I guess Travis was like, Known as the goofball, and Jason was always the smarter, yeah, I could see that b- bigger, better brother. Yep. But Andy Reid gets on the phone, and the first thing he says, like, "Don't mess this up." And he goes, "Put your brother on the phone." Oh. And it was really a cute story about and and Jason said, "Well, he drafted both of them, I believe." He did, and he well, he had already obviously he had been here as our coach. Yep, he drafted then Jason, and then went to Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, yeah. So, so but he gets his big brother on the phone. Yep. And Jason said, "He's the best. He's the best." You'll you'll never regret it. The best yeah. decision you'll ever make. Da, 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 da. So I credit again. We have the better brother. What, what do we have too much of? Everybody with a podcast these days, or everybody's <laughs> no, got, everybody's got good, a though. book. Like because Brittany's writing a book. I feel like everybody's writing a book. That's like the equivalent now of a podcast. To be honest with you, I would read a Britney Spears. Yeah. Book. Would you really? Because yeah. you know there's some freaky, crazy stuff yeah. in there, and you know it's all true. Mm. She does nothing for. Hey, it's like she's 20 years out of her career prime. <gasps> like she stopped performing <laughs> at the Don, Don, Don Lemon. No, I'm not, say, I'm, not say, I'm not saying she's out of her prime. I'm not saying, she, I'm not saying she, physically she's out of her prime. Let me tell you something. But she hasn't been a hit in like yeah. 15, 20 years. Uh, she's 40 something. She's, she's uh, right, gorgeous. Long in the tooth. She's gorgeous. Like Beyonce kind of took the mantle from her, and Taylor Swift has taken it from her. She's she's yesterday. She's washed. She's it's not. Over. She has. Do you know? Look her up in Vegas. Oh. She's still performing in Vegas. She's a multi gazillionaire. If you saw her out with her, I've seen her in oh, person. I'm not saying I wouldn't. Whatever. Yes, I she's would. not past her prime. No, in any which as way. A, as an act, dumb a. As an act, not physically. Doesn't not even know sexually. what a freaking noose m- <laughs> moose knuckle is. <laughs> <laughs> ding ding. She is not past her prime. I need that. She's, I need she, that gift where I'm just sitting back eating popcorn. <laughs> but speaking of gifts, by the way, but we're still in Dawn's big three. By the no, way, right? oh, in case yeah. for those who are well, let me do my... no, because I've hijacked it like right. an idiot as I always do. Um, <laughs> speaking of gifts, Sid Weiss wants a gif of you yelling. We start at six a.m. Is that oh one? that'd be good? Well, I think it's just a matter of you're on video, so if we can get the camera on Greg, and if you could oh, yeah. just mouth it, we don't even need, we don't even need you saying it. We just got to get the. The well, no, mo- I, the movement, I, no hang on, get the hang, on hang on, listen, Ready? listen, everything I do and say on this radio show is authentic. Yeah, it's organic. I will not do anything. You're not a show pony. Please. Pre-prompted. Right. Break stalker. I, am, I will not do anything pre-prompted. So, look, if 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 the mood arises oh, for me on. Greg, just pretend yell. you're a woman and fake it for <laughs> once, would you? Yeah, do what Brittany does. When she's no, I will not. I will not fake anything. All right. I am authentic, damn it, and I will not fake things. Just, uh, I'm sure there's going to be something I'm going to yell about oh, soon. Yes. So we just... still got an hour and 13 minutes to go. Yeah. Keep the camera on him. Yeah. No. All right, don't. we are sponsored by Best Work Industries for the Blind. 
which they have a great e-commerce store helping businesses succeed in all work environments, bestworksupplycenter.com, offering traditional office products, cleaning supplies, furniture, technology, and so much more. Free shipping, next day delivery. Shop now. Save at bestworksupplycenter.com. Thank you, Best Work Industries for the Blind, for sponsoring our big three. All right, Don. thank you very much. 855-839-1210. Let me grab Ray. He's got some thoughts on Congress and the never-ending wars. Ray and Warminster, what's going on this morning, buddy? Well, first of all, I don't even know if that comment's relevant anymore. I mean, you guys segue so much. So, real quick, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I put on hold at, at the Willow Grove eggs in the turnpike, and I'm all the way almost in Ohio right now. But, but, but anyway, Ray's, but anyway Ray, Ray's cell phone is roaming right now. It is, man. It is. So, did you guys see the Babylon B article about uh, what Israel was doing, was going to do to Gaza? They were going to cut off all the news feeds about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. <laughs> I love that damn account. I thought, I thought that was pretty clever, honestly. You know. Yep. But now, what I was going to what I was going to say about Congress, look, man, our fights at home. I, I drank the Kool-Aid back in the day being Republican. I, I, I always used to like to think Republicans were the greatest. Well, we got some real idiots on our side, too, right? Sure. Our fights at home, I'm waiting for a, I, I am waiting for a Saddam Hussein moment. I don't know if you guys ever saw the video of Saddam Hussein calling names at front of the bath party. Yep. Where yes. they were just calling people's names out. Yep. I'm waiting for a convoy of Humvees to pull up to Congress and start ripping people out of their seats. Okay. I, I just can't. We have some real. Well, I don't want to be bad to happen to them. Don't get me no, wrong. No. What I'm trying to say is there's there's some there's some people that just need to go away. They don't give a damn about this country. It's all about wars, making money off the wars. That's correct. The war machine is very you know? profitable, Ray. We appreciate the call. Ray just got through Ohio. He's now in the state of Michigan. I, I he's right though. Yeah, he he's is one hundred percent right. We is. we've done this dance before, yep. and we're doing it again. And it's just we never learn. We never learn from history nope. ever. No, we don't. Um, let, let's end the third hour with a feel good story. Yeah. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and I did not actually see this play out on Sunday night in real time. I'm not sure if NBC actually uh, zoomed in and you know made reference to or elaborated on this, but the Eagles pulled off an incredibly classy and heartfelt gesture for Americans being held hostage by Hamas. Uh, honoring those on Sunday night during the game, dozens of Americans, as we know, killed in the horrifying terrorist attack in Israel carried out by Hamas and 10 American citizens still currently held by the terror group. Status remains unknown. While many in America you know, have rallied in support of Hamas, which is absurd again, following the slaughter of innocent Israelis, the Eagles made it clear against the Dolphins what side they are on. They stand with the Americans being held and against Hamas. They left 10 open seats with an American flag posted at each one in honor of the remaining American hostages. Uh, this picture is on social media if you want to see it. Um, the Eagles went on to say, today at Lincoln Financial Field, we're flying 10 American flags in 10 empty seats to honor the Americans currently being held hostage. Uh, these hostages were just 10 of the 200 kidnapped during the terrorist attacks on Israel. Um, and definitely a classy move. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie, always kind of very sharp with these sort of things. Um, you know, a great owner for, for many reasons. 
Um, but the Eagles, more often than not, seem to get it right Do when right it comes thing. to the agreed. You know the P, like they're the opposite of the Biden yeah. administration. By the way, just just for full transparency, say they weren't the only NFL team to do it. Yeah, there was a handful of them. Yeah, Phil, uh, Phil, in fact, told me that the New York Giants did as well. Okay, um, but also NBC did show it. I don't know if did you they saw really. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, on on the Sunday night game, they did show it. So, okay. Uh, credit to NBC. All right. I guess, very good for, with that. For, doing that but yeah, yeah nice of them to cut away from like a, a statue of the a picture of the rocky statue or a cheesesteak <laughs> spot or the steps uh you know the typical my, stuff the mainstream media points out my favorite is the, the drone that goes down broad street oh yeah you know what i mean very yeah. slowly it's like yeah. and yeah. mike Tarico, beautiful night in south philadelphia <laughs> yeah, mike if you're if you were in south philadelphia or, or center or anywhere else for for one or two nights they, you wouldn't say how beautiful it is they should take that drone and go down kensington <laughs> go through Kensington and see everybody on train. I, I know. Could you imagine that? <laughs> here's Philadelphia, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and then Chris Collins were such breaking it down. <laughs> now, here's a guy who's on train. His foot will be falling off in two days. Anyway, so uh, a nice gesture uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles. And also, too, uh, yesterday, very newsworthy. Um, the Eagles made a monster trade as they traded for Kevin Byard, the safety from the Tennessee Titans. Kevin Byard's a Philly guy. Um, and I saw him play uh, in person for two years in 2018 and 2019 when I was down in Nashville doing sports talk. So uh, the Eagles just got themselves. I'm not going to say he's Brian Dawkins, but wow. he's pretty damn good. And they didn't give have to give up a whole heck of a lot. They gave up like a fifth and a sixth round draft pick and a, a player that's mediocre at best. So um, Howie Roseman addresses a big need for those Eagle fans that care about that stuff. One uh, one comment going back to uh, your comment about Britney Spears being in a prime. <laughs> Michael Michael writes on the YouTube chat. Yeah. Is Mick Jagger still in his prime? No. Yeah, a new, new Thank you. Well, they have they have a new album coming out. By the way, their yeah. new album, Hackney Diamonds, uh their best album they've put out can, since Some Girls in yeah. 1970. Can we play the single Angry when we come back because I love that new single. Actually, that's You not didn't the, answer the question. That's not the best is song Mick, on the album. Is Mick Jagger past his prime? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, he's not. Mick he Jagger? just put out a huge album. That album is is I've the best it. he's done since I like it. he's been 40 he, years old. But generally speaking, he's he's washed. You know, you, he's you not. Get, you get a moment here and there where you can still fire up the fastball. You know. The fastball? He's He has the same waistline he had when he was 18. How old is he now? 80. Yeah. He's not in his prime. Nobody in, nobody that's 80 can argue they're in their prime. That's, that's impossible. Hmm. 44 for women or it, like however, Brit, I'm saying all 40, I'm saying 42. is Britney as an act yeah. is over. It's done. She's been done. She's still hot as hell. She's crazy hot. Well, yes. Who's got the gore crazy eyes? Britney or AOC? Would you rather do? Hang oh, out no, with, no. Oh, 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 would, would you, would, Greg, no. go to something. What would you rather? Would you rather <laughs> sit, try, sit, to help you. sit on the bed no, while no, no, AOC no. posts a video on Instagram or be in the living room while Britney's juggling that? <laughs> Dawn, there was a reason I brought up that comment because I knew where this was going to go. I know. It's almost like I'm Listen, doing a radio show here. Mm-hmm. Someone's prime is not based on their years on this earth. And Mick Jagger is a great example of that. I it just it depends on the person. Is Mick Jagger still in his prime? We've got to go all, all stones for the 9 o'clock hour. He's Musical like Yoda. Request. Nobody would discuss, like, is Yoda in Star Wars in his prime? I will you say. You wouldn't think about his age. Let me do this, and I know. He uh, is wise. He is. I know Dawn has a library coming up here, but I just want to say this. Yeah. that the Actually, the um, that Angry song is not the best song on that album. Really? The new album. The best song is Hold Please. Hold Please. Sounds like a good hit. Uh, Hold 
Whole Wide World. Whole Wide World? Whole Wide World is the best song of that. If you are not, like, the fact that these guys can still write a song like this at 80 years old mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. I'll play it when we come back from the break. All right. 855-839-1210. We'll come back. We'll get to that. And then also, we have to get to a very important day for House Republicans. By the way, most Republicans within Congress do not approve of what is going on with the infighting. We'll tell you what the percentage is. And then also, Donald Trump says only one individual can get the votes needed to become Speaker. And it's not Byron Donald's. The details on the way. Final hour next on Kalen Company. You know, we were just talking about what it means to be in your prime. And part of that, if you think about Nick, if you think about Mick Jagger at 80, he's feeling good. He's doing the dance moves. Are you dancing? Maybe you stop dancing because you need, you need QC Kinetics. See, the future of joint pain relief is right here in Philadelphia. Advanced regenerative medicine. It's awesome. It's amazing. So many of you have told me that QC Kinetics is like a miracle for you. If you've been told more steroids or surgery are your only options, just hold on just a second. Get that second opinion. Just get a second opinion, would you? Learn more about how you can harness your body's own healing agents to attack that joint pain. I'm talking lasting relief. QC Kinetics, it does not mask the pain. These treatments go to the very root, the very core of the problem using concentrated Healing properties placed directly into your aching joint, which restore and repair that damaged tissue. How awesome does that sound? So imagine living your life this fall, no more pain in your knees or aching hips, your shoulder, your back. No drugs, no downtime, no surgery. Life is about motion. So whether you want to get back on the dance floor, maybe uh, improve your golf game, whatever that feels like or looks like to you, QC Kinetics. It's truly giving people their lives back with these all-natural treatments. Just call them. They're local. Get a free consultation today with the medical professionals at QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. 215-999-3000. 215-999-3000. QC Kinetics. Call them today before lunchtime. Will you do this? 215-999-3000. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday morning, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app. Whole wide world. Mick Jack, Rolling Stones, new album, 80 years old, still cranking out, uh, cranking out hits, quality music, unlike Britney Spears. <laughs> Such a great song. They're very good. I like this. I haven't heard this one. Do you like Angry, though, or am I, am I alone on that one? No, I like Angry. I, okay. I'm telling you, this album is their best album since Some Girls. Okay, 1978, really? yes. All right. Got a good vibe to it. 855-839-1210. Kale and Company here on this Tuesday morning. You can get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube. Morning mystery movie clip coming up in about 17 minutes. Another four-pack of tickets to the battleship New Jersey in Camden. Part due of the cut sheet. What's on tap for the Dawn Show and who won Twitter 
today. But coming up 9 o'clock this morning, uh, House Republicans will once again gather, and uh, we will see what transpires. Some people talking about a behind-closed-doors uh, vote, a secret vote, so to speak, and then later in the afternoon having the formal uh, vote out on the floor, nine candidates. Uh, my number two has emerged as... Uh, a possibility, and that is Byron Donalds of Florida, the 44-year-old. Uh, as you recall, it was for me, it was Jim Jordan 1, Byron Donalds 2. Uh, so I will gladly take Byron Donalds, but I do, I, I do not believe that it is remotely close to a certainty, a formality, or a lock by any stretch of the imagination. Um, in fact, Donald Trump has said only one individual can get the votes needed to become Republican House Speaker. And that individual is Jesus. That is correct. Donald Trump says Republicans (laughs) need an act of God to find a candidate for House Speaker who could reach the 217 votes needed to take the gavel. The former president has yet to put a stamp of approval on any of the current nine candidates, although he has mentioned that frontrunner Representative Tom Emmer called him over the weekend trump saying uh, yesterday when he was in new hampshire quote i think and he's referring to mr emmer i think he's my biggest fan now because he called me yesterday he told me i'm your biggest fan trump said adding that he had talked to a number of house speaker candidates and you know what the fact that trump hasn't put the maga stamp of approval so to speak on a specific speaker this time around might be a good thing because he put it on jim jordan And I think Jim Jordan kind of already had that stamp of approval. Uh, And it didn't work out well for Jim Jordan. So I don't know if he would put it on Tom Emmer, if he would put it on Byron Donalds. Byron Donalds has been very vocal in his support of Donald Trump in the past. Uh, And which is interesting because Byron Donalds is from Florida, the state that Ron DeSantis governs. And he made it very clear that he was rooting, pulling for, and advocating for Donald Trump to win the GOP primary and the nominee. So we'll see how that plays out today. Um, My gut feeling is we get nothing accomplished today as far as an actual vote and and a person emerging. I, I think, honestly, and now we're, I think, 20 days in, if my math is correct on the calendar, without a speaker since Kevin McCarthy's ouster. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping by the end of the week, this is finalized. I, I, I don't know if a vote will happen on you know, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday of Dawn's show or Dom's show, or this will finally break and come to uh, its closure during Zioli's show. But um, I think you're going to see more of the same today. I think you're going to see more theatrics. You're going to see some people coming out. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene will be the first to, when she's in her uh, vehicle transportation to or from to go live on Instagram and say this, that, or the other thing. Um, but it's not just us. It's not just people that vote for these people or talk about it for a living that are getting, you know, flustered with this. According to a new USA Today Suffolk University poll, 67% of Americans believe the House should elect the speaker as soon as possible compared to 25% who don't care if a new speaker is chosen. And the vast majority of Republicans agree an overwhelming 57% of Republican voters want the speaker drama to be over compared to 34% who are willing to put up with a longer delay in the house choosing its new leader. Where, where are you at? I mean, is this, I mean, I know we talk about this when we talk about, you know, the government, you know, shutting down, oh, life will go on. The government will be just fine. But this is, I think, a larger issue here 
which is why I do believe. Now, look, no, the Senate could easily flip red and the House could easily flip blue. And I think that is a distinct possibility. I would actually argue that there's a better chance that the House flips blue than the Senate flips red. But that's where people are thinking. That's what people think are trending to be in those directions. You're looking at the the larger issue, and that's why Trump is saying only Jesus could. Even Trump knows what an unmitigated disaster this is. And when you go through the battle that it took to take back control by such a small margin, and then McCarthy goes 15 rounds, then we have Steve Scalise, who quickly realizes it's not meant to be. Jim Jordan goes three rounds, but it goes way against him each time from 20 Republicans to 22 to 25 saying no thanks. And now here we are three weeks in tomorrow. I mean, there's a possibility we could go a month without a speaker, which just goes to really highlight the fact that this is a party, as Dawn has said, that needs to get it together. But, you know, we can say that until the cows come home. Dawn can say it until she's blue in the face. I don't really see a single guy of these nine candidates that are thrown into the mix here that are going to unite, rally, and galvanize the Republican Party. We always talk about how the Democrats, at the end of the day, even if it's in the 23rd hour, they rally behind one individual. We could end up with a speaker that is selected and voted for in the next three days, and there will still be that divide. There's going to be some concessions, but you know deep down there's going to be people that don't approve of whoever ultimately rises up from the bottom here. I mean, they're they're meeting right now. They just started speaking within the last you know few minutes, and I think that they have said that they want to they want to unofficially behind closed doors right pick somebody today mm-hmm. and then have the official vote. So I think I believe that we're going to get a speaker this week. I do. I think it's going to happen this <laughs> week, and I think they realize. That they're starting to look like but are a laughing you, Are you stock. okay with the closed door setting behind? Yes. Because yes. Nancy Mace has come out publicly on social yeah. media and said that that's cowardly. Put your name to it. Own it. You're going to have to vote for it anyway when you get out on the floor officially. So what is the point of the secret behind the closed door meetings? Because, you know, they have... Well, I'll tell you why, Nancy. First of all, don't talk about your relations with your fiancé at a prayer breakfast. Not Just not appropriate. She not had, good she timing. Had, she had to get to Tim's... The Tim mm-hmm. speech. I know, right? She had, she had no time for the, the soon-to-be husband. And, um, <laughs> and you know, they have that razor-edge majority. They have a five-seat edge in the U.S. House, and so they could lose it. it. These are some tough, these are highly contested areas. Now, I will tell you, I know in North Carolina, the Republican-controlled legislature is working on some redistrict, redistricting, but so that could strengthen Republicans. However, there are Democrats... Uh, trying to pick up seats in with, and this has to do with the redistricting that we in Pennsylvania have dealt with, but that's New York, Louisiana, Georgia. So their redistricting may be the story here moving forward. It may not because of this Michigas that they're going through, but I would just say to Nancy Mace, no, because when people go up for reelection and in the heat of the debate, they say something publicly and then it's used in a public ad. And why, why, why do we have to hear all of your nonsense. Why do we have to hear your process? The country is going through you-know-what. I know they don't feel it. You know why? Because they make nearly 200 Gs a year, yeah. 179. They have incredible benefits, better benefits than any of us right. as far as medical benefits and then their opportunities 
and 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 just their investments they're that's the beginning mm-hmm. basically 200k is their baseline so they're not feeling the pinch like the rest of us of in this course country not. quite frankly no they and should the, feel our pain and all the bribes they take and all the yeah. uh, gold and all bars the fun, yeah, and all the funding they get yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that 200k that's just on the books yeah, exactly the gold bar the gold bar in your pants yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, just... <laughs> hey, Ms. hey, Senator Bob, is that a gold bar in your pocket? By, by the way, he, you know, we have, we haven't really talked about it, but yeah. he, he's fighting this until the very end. Uh-huh. He is. He's like, nope, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, it's odd too to me about this, and not to get sidetracked, but it's odd to me with the Bob Menendez thing. All the Democrats are calling him on him to resign, but not the Republicans. What do you think is the reasoning for that? Well, that's a good point. That is a good point. I, mean, I haven't heard Fed, one Republican Fed, come out. Fed, and, Fetterman's been one of the most yes. vocal people against Menendez. All of the more liberal Democrats yes. are calling on him to resign. And I haven't heard a peep from any single Republican. Because I think <clears throat> so. So the reason the Democrats can is because Murphy is a Democrat who's the governor. And it's all Democrats controlling in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, how would it go? Would Murphy appoint? Because here in Pennsylvania, remember that we had the discussion that Governor Josh Shapiro, if Fetterman had won, which he did, and then he resigned at some point, Shapiro that then would appoint somebody. Yeah, I think it's the same as I recall in Jersey. So let's just say Chris Christie were still governor. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then it would not be the same scenario because I think we've seen that before. Yep. But but to your point, I think so. I think the Republicans, why yeah, why don't they call it out? Because I think that they just like to sit back, get the popcorn, and watch Democrats have a hot mess and corruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on the other hand, Menendez has been in there a long time, mm-hmm. and so I think basically he's saying I'm going to fight this. But also, if I do a little negotiation, I know all of y'all's little dirty dirt. And I'm going to turn, you know, I'm going to become a rat on all of you. you know, Maybe that's part, a piece of this. You know, it's so know. frustrating with this, too, with when you think about just the Republicans and they can't get it together. You, I've talked about how I think this is the weakest group of Democrats I've ever seen in my lifetime. If yeah. you can't beat them, when are you ever going to beat them? And you just think about it from Bob Menendez to John Fetterman. Uh, on up through the ranks. And then we just talked about the disarray with squad Dems. We yeah. played that for you in the cut sheet this morning. Where, just crazy. Yeah, Torres and uh, yeah. Ilan Omar. I mean, you know, say what you want about, um, you know, the progressive caucus wing. You know, you've got at least Torres says that, hey, you know, Israel's not the bad. And Omar wants to rip his head off for that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's like they're they're burning down the, the civilization. And we can't figure out who we want to speak for us. I'm really getting tired of these Democrats and disarray and we fall into that trap too everybody here on the station falls into that trap here too the democrats in disarray oh they've never been more in dis- like they are when it when it really comes down to it this party will unite and there's nothing that has dem- that has demonstrated over the last 4 years yeah. that yep. their disarray as as the media and pundits and talk radio hosts like to say has affected them in the least because they've won everything they've tried for in the last four years so this whole thing with the democrats are in disarray well they didn't win at, the house back at this the last end of fall. The, yeah but you know what i mean oh yes no they will rally but right now current i mean 
and it starts at the top. A majority of Democrats know that Joe Biden is not fit to serve the job. And it's the trickle-down effect. It's Joe's a mess. Then you've got the faction of squad Dems, division within the squad Dems. Then you've got scandals galore. Uh, Our Virginia Democrat uh, candidate, remember the sex tape that we talked about? She's also been linked to election fraud as well. I mean, like, they are a hot mess. But to your point, when, I mean, and it goes up to the last minute, they eventually... You know, get behind whatever the message is, whatever the cause is, whatever the politician or whoever the person might be. Yes. But like, but a lot of it too, there's no stability with them right now. A lot of it too, to the people like us and the pundits and stuff who, who, who live and breathe this stuff every day, the majority of people don't. So yeah. to us, yes, it looks like a hot mess. But to people who are kind of paying attention on the periphery, mm-hmm. it doesn't. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. You know, the economy could, be affecting them but like if in most people's mind if they had a choice you know with that or or re-electing trump mm-hmm. i mean democrats they're gonna they're gonna choose the other yeah it's funny you bring that up and i'll just put a bow on this conversation with this last piece of the poll uh the same poll found the house's overall favorability rating in the toilet in all 54 percent of voters have an unfavorable opinion of the house compared with just 25% of Americans who have a favorable opinion. I wanted to go through this list of the uh, of the uh, potential House speakers, and should we give them our uh, votes on if we think oh, yeah, they're going to get it or not? I can already tell you what mine would be, but go ahead. Uh, Representative Tom Emmer. Uh, he's the presumptive front-runner. He, but he's the one that Trump does not like. Well, no, no, he Trump, said, Trump says right? he loves him. Uh, yeah, Trump said that he uh, did. He wants no, no, no. Trump said Emmer Loves has been Trump. calling him and wants to be his best friend now. Yeah, take that for how does that sound? Sounds desperate. Uh, Representative, Hi, this is Tom again. Uh, did you check the box? Will you be my BFF? <laughs> by the way, how does that sound? Uh, by the way, Trump's endorsement of Jim Jordan didn't help Jim Jordan. Yes. Right. So, like, I'm not. Which is why I'm saying I don't know that you necessarily want the endorsement right exactly. now. Exactly, right. uh, Representative Kevin Hearn from Oklahoma. No, never heard of him. <laughs> Representative Jack Bergman. Bergman is a 40-year veteran of the U.S. Marines. He's also running for the speaker role. Uh, thank you for your service. He's from Michigan. No, thanks. Representative Austin Scott from Georgia. Georgia. Bury me in Georgia. Yeah. No, thanks. But Byron Donalds. That's my guy. 44-year-old from Florida. Yeah, the, the more I'm thinking about it, I know he ain't going to get it either. That's what I'm saying. I know he won't because it's what I want. So who who's it going to be then? I, it, it, honestly, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have the same old divide. The, Byron Donald is by far the most conservative yeah. of that bunch, and he will run into the same buzzsaw that Jim Jordan ran into. But And really, and I, I do think Byron Donald's qualified... A lot of I gave you some of the reasons yesterday. He's on the finance committee. He's got a a, a financial background, so I, I feel a little bit more at ease with him when it comes to the economy, things like that. But I, it's a small part of me, but I because I know how they'll react. I want to see the Democrats and the left lose their mind seeing an African American rise up in the yeah. Republican Party to become House Speaker. Yeah. They will flip their lid. Yeah, I agree, I, and I don't think it's going to be Emmer. Because they're already saying that the the former Trump the former president has told there are all these sources saying Trump does not want Emmer for the job that Emmer is openly hostile to Trump which is not helpful since Trump will be the nominee so that's that's the word on Emmer that there's all this like infighting and whispery whisper campaigns and all of that mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be Emmer I think 
I, I, I agree. More and more, I just think Byron Donalds. So Trump doesn't like him because he's not nice to Trump, really? Pretty much. No, I, I, I have no idea. I mean, that's that he has a Trump problem. It's like I, grade I think, school. The I whole think, thing is like grade school. No, I don't like you because you're not nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually thought that Trump said, um, I thought that Trump had said that he liked Byron Donalds. I, he does, but I. But he I didn't endorse him, right? There's not been the official. Which, he hasn't given anybody the Jim Jordan stamp, which is good. Yes, which I said yes. Yeah. Uh, John Giacca on the YouTube chat says, "Can we appoint Dana White for the UFC for speaker?" <laughs> White. I, I, I love that. Uh, Representative Mike Johnson from Louisiana. Yeah. No. Representative Pete Sessions from Texas. No. Representative Gary Palmer from Alabama. Roll Tide. No thanks. Um, I think that's it. So that's eight. Wow. Boy, Did you what? get our Pennsylvania guy? Mike Kelly? No. no. Muser. Oh. Muser, right? He's not yeah. on the... This is, this Who is, am I thinking of? This is the CNN list, and he's not the, on the it. The nine? He's not even on it? No. Nope. Wow, that's that's embarrassing, dude. What a bunch of what a bunch of no names aside from Byron Donalds. But you know what though? Like, let's be honest. It, it, you know, sometimes you can find the next you know rising star amongst no namers. Sure. You know, you don't always have to go for the household stock name. I think I think Byron Donalds has actually kind of even though he's young and you can argue somewhat inexperienced at forty four, um, he's kind of become the most recognizable figure. I yeah. mean, he's be, he's become a guy that has been very vocal. Um, you've seen him a lot in the last nine to twelve months. I, I think he's really shown a lot of leadership. I, I again, that's my choice, so I know it probably won't happen. But mm-hmm. Howard Levin on YouTube says uh, Emmer wants to get rid of the Electoral College. Is that R- right? Really? Wow. Well, Pennsylvania Congressman Dan Muser ha- dropped out of his bid for Speaker about eight o'clock last night. Oh, okay. So he's he same did. time the Phillies checked. That. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> stop. <laughs> Wait, was he was he one of the fans in the stands, yeah, and he, he just walked out yeah, early? He left early. Yeah, yeah uh, made his way back to his Mercedes. A- uh, Anne writes, uh, Nick, stop picking your teeth on camera. I'm picking my teeth. You're yeah, picking I- your teeth? No, I was actually biting a nail off. Well, that's not good for your Some- enamel. Somebody asked me. Somebody <laughs> asked me one time, like, how does it feel to be live on camera? For I forget I'm on camera. I don't. I don't ever day. look at it. And I'm just like, it's it's awful because people literally pick out everything you're doing. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. I know I'm a slob. <laughs> yeah, we're not learning anything new about me. It's like, yeah. so, no, honestly, God, I really forget the cameras are even in here. So we've come to the conclusion that none of these people are going to become the next speaker? No, I, mean, I said, I, we said Byron. I'm, Byron. Rooting, I'm rooting for Byron. I don't think it will be him. It, and I hate taking the favorite. But, I mean, if I had to bet on it and there was odds, I'd probably have to take Tom Emmer. Really? I mean, who else? I mean, to be honest, a few of them I've never even heard of. So, I mean, I, I mean, could, mo- I be... dude, I follow this for a living. Most of them I haven't heard of. Yeah. I mean, I remember the guy for Alabama, the guy <laughs> from Oklahoma. My uh, sister's husband says you don't want any part of him. Oh, um, my okay. sister's husband, a staunch conservative, says that's not the guy. Okay, then we don't want him. Yes. Scratch him yeah. off. He's from Oklahoma. If Aaron's husband says he's not good enough. Yes. Then that's the final word. That's correct. All right, 921, it's time for another edition of the Morning Mystery Movie Clip. And now, the Morning Mystery Movie Clip on Kalen Company, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. I gave him an impossible task, a job no one could have pulled off. The 
bodies he buried that day laid a foundation of what we are now. And then my son, a few days after his wife died, you steal his car and kill his dog. Father, I can make this right. Think you know what it is? Be call at 12 at 855-839-1210 and you could win this great prize. Four backup tickets to the Battleship New Jersey. If you can identify that movie clip that came out nine years ago today. Call her 12-855-839-1210. Four pack of tickets to the Battleship New Jersey. Kaylee Company, as we come back, we'll find our winner. And also a very um, heartwarming story about a dog. A little lighter note to end today's show. Dawn will be able to comment on this. I think this dog might have been friends with Buddy. Oh. Yes, that's correct. Kale and Company, <laughs> back after this. It's Kale and Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. I never caused you no pain. That's right, we never caused any pain. Just giving you the facts. Just the facts. Kale and Company, live here Tuesday morning. More of the uh, Rolling Stones. Angry, which I believe was the, quote, first single, so to speak, because this was picked up by a lot of um, different outlets, so to speak. Yeah, the the album just actually was released. Summer? July? Not this. Yeah, I think it was this past Friday. Yeah. Okay. So. I love this one. My name. All right, 839-1210. 80 years old. They're making some of their best music. That's it's, right. It's, it's incredible. And Britney's juggling knives. Some people's talents never disappear. Are they still in their prime, Don? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Britney, by the way, has Uh-oh. her she's her, she her network her network worth sixty five million dollars. Mm-hmm. So you can buy tickets to her Vegas show okay. for twenty twenty four. And by the way, she had um, a hit, at least one hit single, just within the past year with Sir Elton John. Oh, he did. Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, yeah. So, I did not huh. know that. Yeah. All right. She did. Okay. I'm just telling you. Dawn's back in Britney, baby. I'm back in Britney. All right. Uh, let's see uh, if we've got our winner <laughs> for the morning mystery movie clip this morning. Should we've we, got. Should we bet on how she she goes? Does uh, she what? Does she OD? No. Does she? No, I'm just saying. Yeah, no. we can we can do a prop bet. <laughs> uh, I'm in the hole. I'm trying to get out here. Does she <laughs> take one of those knives that she's juggling? And am know, I getting plus money here to get out? They're of the not real. They were plastic <laughs> knives. She's just a good little juggler. Yeah. <laughs> good little juggler. Uh, the song with Elton John was "Hold Me Closer." Oh, didn't hear it. Britney Spears. must have missed that one. OD in six months. <gasps> I'm not. Look, I'm, I'm not. I don't wish, think she, I'm, I'm I don't not wishing she... for it. I don't want it to happen. I'm just wraps, playing the odds. Wraps car around telephone pole in nine months. <laughs> okay, I hope she does. I get okay. plus four seventy on that one. <laughs> According to FanDuel. All right, so let's go to uh, Bill here. He's going to get the four-pack of tickets this morning for uh, the Morning Mystery Movie Clip. Bill, good morning. What movie clip did we just play for you, sir? Morning. Morning. That was John Wick. That is correct. October 14th, 2014. Congratulations, Bill. Four-pack of tickets to see the Battleship New Jersey. Thank you very much. Enjoy your show quite a bit. Thank you, Bill. We appreciate it. We try to enjoy it as well. All right. Uh, Final story of the day before we get to the cut sheet. 
Sorry, uh, Sharon asked what the over-under is with the overdose. Look, I, we're not asking for, like, I don't want this to happen. I, I want everybody uh, to be happy and healthy. Death pool I'm promoters. Just, I'm, just playing, I'm just playing the odds. Yeah. So I think the over-under is probably what? Six months? <sighs> She's wow. selling tickets. Sorry, sorry, She's Nick, doing well. I'm going to get her through election season. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So you're taking the you're taking the over. Um, yeah. I'll I'm go saying over. she's gonna. So what does that mean? You're so you're taking she, the over. You're... She'll see at least another nine to ten months. <laughs> Look, I'm in the prognostication see. business. All right, it's not a glamorous position, but somebody has to do it. Oh, Bubba forty five wants to know if Brittany or Hunter goes first. Oh, that's just not right. That's just not right. That's a good question, actually. All oh. right. Let's let's get the feel good story. Yeah, let's get to the feel good story. I can feel our feel our juju just wearing off. Me too. That's what happens when the Novocaine wears off. So, oops, oops, she did it what? again. Oh, no. oh, sorry. Oops, she did it again. Stop. <laughs> We're going to hell. Yeah. It's a sin. Fun. So, um, speaking of leaving this world, the world's oldest dog has now officially passed away. Uh, this dog named Bobby, B-O-B-I, uh, was known to show up at the Stenslands from time to time and play poker with oh. Buddy. And uh, he was a bicentennial man's best friend. Pet lovers, pet lovers were devastated to learn that Bobby, the world's oldest, oldest dog, passed away over the weekend just months after he turned 31 years old. That's staggering. Wow. The 31. average dog lives 10 to 13 years. Man. According to this story. Bobby made it until he was 31. The long-lived canine's death was confirmed on Facebook by Dr. Karen Becker, a veterinarian who met Bobby on several occasions. Uh, Bobby was vaxxed, by the way, for those asking. (laughs) Uh, She goes on to say, Last night, this sweet boy earned his wings, she wrote in the touching tribute. Despite outliving every dog in history... His 11,478 days on Earth would never be enough for those who loved him. Godspeed, Bobby. You've taught the world all you were meant to teach. Uh, this dog, which it kind of looks like, I'm looking at the story in the New York Post, it kind of looks like a kind of a spin-off a little bit of like a, um, a uh, golden retriever-ish type dog, kind of like that rusty red look. Uh, the dog was apparently a purebred Raffero do Alentejo, which passed away on October 21st at, at his home in Portugal, where the dog lived his entire life with the Costa family, C-O-S-T-A. That according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Hmm. The dog was born May 11th, 1992. Think about that. Go back to 1992. No, I, I mean, to. I mean, Bush was still president uh, at that point mm-hmm. when this dog was Such born. A lovely time. Um, an eye-popping 31 years and 165 days. Wow. Average lifespan of a dog ranges from 10 to 13 years. So in dog years, that dog was 210 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is unbelievable. You know, I think this dog, you know, let's be honest. The dog could have kept going, but he saw that we're on the verge of World War III. <laughs> he looked at inflation. Uh, he saw that Joe Biden was running the free world. And he said, you know what? Now's as good a time as ever. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. So I had to look it up what they fed Bobby. Yeah. And I, because I always think, you know, they, they fed Bobby exclusively human food that was watered down. Oh. And then they removed any seasonings. Oh, so so like he, chicken he, with yeah. green beans or something like that. He was eating better than I am. And so he ate very healthy, kept a healthy weight. Yeah. I also think it's important that Bobby had freedom. They never tied him up. 
in his life. Wow. They never, because you should never tie up a dog. Okay. Agreed. Yeah. So the last couple of years, he was locked down. I mean, he spent his final, think about this. He spent his 28th, 29th, and 30th year on earth living through the pandemic. Sid Weiss will love this. He spent most of his time hanging out in the backyard, hanging out with cats. Yeah. Yeah, they had cats too, so all he had I've, socialization. All I've ever really wanted to do is yeah. lift my leg from time to time, pop a squat, and you know, eat watered down food. Thank you for that classy description. <laughs> Pretty much what I do after the show. Stop. So there you go. See oh. if, if 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 there's anything I took from that is that pussy cats can yeah keep you young, keep yeah. keep you young. There you go. That's so right. Just. You're lonely. Right, you want to be lonely. Let's yeah. get it back to Israel and Hamas, shall we? This is too much. This is too enjoyable. Let's talk about death and destruction, shall we? Yeah, just a All little, right. uh, just a little help oh. from the pussy cat yeah. will uh, will make you live a long, healthy life. How old? Uh, how old is Buddy Don? Double digits now. He's 14 that we know of. So your dog has actually He's exceeded the lifespan. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but we. So he is a healthy weight. We try to walk him every day, but he gets a lot of exercise, mm-hmm. and we. We do. Um, I I feed him better than probably anybody in the family. See, this is how you live long you in know? this lifetime. You, you eat healthy. I know. You get outside. You exercise. Yep. You stay the hell off TikTok, and, <laughs> yep. and you might end up exceeding the expectations yeah. of a lifespan. Yep. See, there you go. It's true. All right, nine thirty-six Tuesday morning. Let's find out what's on the cut sheet part two, shall we? What's on the cut sheet? I do. Former uh, Maryland governor Larry Hogan, who is also the word is is that he might be running for president as in that no labels party. I think yeah. um, that's correct, right, Don? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he has his his uh, aspirations of uh, unifying the country, as he says. Uh, he was on CNBC this morning discussing hate speech. I would like you guys to know, you Nick Hale and Don Sensen, you're you guys are on the same side as Larry Hogan okay. because he thinks. That uh, cheering for the terrorist acts on on campus is hate speech, okay. and it was threatening to other people. So if it's threatening to other people, then it's hate speech. Okay. They're discussing the, um, you know, what's this this rise in anti-Semitism that is happening on college campuses, and uh, this is how that conversation went. And you know, of course, we do have free speech, and the students had the right to to that speech, but they don't have the right uh, to have the uh, the leaders of Harvard just condone and ignore those kinds of things. Uh, and it was hate speech, and it was threatening to other people on campus, and uh, it, it's why I you know, decided to take the stand that I did. And what, what would you, if you had been president of Harvard, what, what would have your, how would your response have been different than Claudine Gay's response? Well, I think there should have been an immediate and very strong and unequivocal response, and uh, obviously that did not happen, and... Uh, Look, I was very much looking forward uh, to, to, to going to these fellowships. As, as a guy who worked his way through uh, school at a state university at Florida State, uh, it was a big honor to be invited to come speak, uh, to, to be a fellow at both the School of Public Health to talk about our, our uh, nation-leading response on COVID and to talk at Kennedy School where I was, I was going to talk about how we you know, lower uh, the temperature in politics and do away with some of the angry rhetoric and the toxic politics uh, but but this, uh, you know, I, I wrestled with this decision. I didn't I didn't take it lightly, but I thought it was important to take a stand and to try to make a difference and to try to uh, maybe persuade uh, the president of the university to uh, 
to take some further and stronger actions. And I'm not alone. I mean, this is there's been almost universal condemn, condemnation. And uh, members, uh, big big donors to the university, and people on the board, and some other faculty, and you know, students were feeling threatened. So I value free speech, and I despise cancel culture. That being said, there's three things I want to say. Number one, the free speech is interesting when we talk about these court cases going to the Supreme Court because we're talking about the government suppression of speech, not so much social media and what private companies, even though I'm against it, they still have the right to silence that. Number two, when we talk about free speech, yes, I think I can walk into a movie theater and say and shout fire doesn't mean I'm exonerated and protected from the repercussions or the punishments that come along with that. Just like I can't get on the radio and say, I'm going to kill you, because that would be deemed a threat, and then obviously action can happen by the authorities. But with this Israel and Jewish and Hamas in this pro-Palestinian conversation, here's what I don't understand. It would be deemed hate speech if I said death to gay people. It would be hate speech if I said... I want to kill black people. Why is death to Israel and death to the Jews not viewed as hate speech? I will, I, that I don't get. I will agree with you that there that it if we're going down that road, then absolutely what they're saying and what they were protesting absolutely should be. Yeah. I'm just saying that all of it is nonsense. Well, I mean, and I think there's look if you're pro Palestinian movement, that's okay. Like to, to me, there there is still a difference in what people are debating. It's 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 the dangerous inflammatory rhetoric of, you know, the annihilation of an entire population that I think qualifies as hate speech. And that that's where I I do think there needs to be some sort of cap on what you say where it's consequence free consequence. Yeah. Yes. Consequence speech. Mm -hmm. Yes. You can't just say anything you want to. Right. And and there not be repercussions. Should what these kids do in college, what they're protesting, should that follow them for for life? No, no, no. But if a if a if a if a company looks at at what they're Mm -hmm. saying and says, hey, you know what? I don't don't really don't like the fact that you protested, you know, a pro Hamas thing or whatever, then then, yeah, all. All of that is fair game. Like that's consequence culture. Sure. What, what I'm saying is, is that you can't deem because, like, in his definition, people were threatened. But like, wh- who determines what's threatening? Well, that's, again, that's a good question because everybody claims they're under attack these days, right? Yes. We hear that way too much. Again, I what what these college? I'm not defending them. I trust me. I am not defending them at all. I'm not defending what they said. But, like, you can go down the rabbit hole of calling something threatening speech mm-hmm. to anything you say. Oh, of course. Especially in this generation. This generation, you raise your voice to them, they feel threatened. I mean, us joking about a death pool to, for Britney Spears could be considered threatening. Yeah, you know you what I mean? Like, yeah. even though we're not wishing it, right. we're just stating facts. It's in the eye of the beholder. So, you know, because this is a little different than a cancel culture situation, what he's saying is he was chosen to participate in a prestigious program, their their fellowship program, and to be a speaker. And so he's choosing, in his way, he's, denounce, he's denouncing some of what he feels is anti-Semitic. And mm-hmm. he's saying, you know what, I don't want to be part of your thing because you should have come out. Okay, they, they were protesting. They have a right to say whatever they want to say. But you, as Harvard, as an institution, he's saying, you had a responsibility. You're supposed to be the adult in the room. Mm-hmm. 
And you should have denounced some of the rhetoric or the chants, etc. It was anti-Semitic behavior. And let's also, People were just yeah. murdered and slaughtered and raped. Right. Let's also point at the, the hypocrisy of Harvard here. Harvard has been shown in these um, watchdog groups to have the least uh, free speech right, of any college. Unbelievable. So they don't allow you to say anything on that campus, yep. yet they're permitting this. That's the point. There's the hypocrisy yes. ding, of all ding, of ding, it. Ding, ding, and, ding. and so it... Uh, so to me, that's the that's the point that I think that the former Maryland governor is trying to make that that this is not just oh you have some rogue students just saying some stuff that deep down I know you denounce yeah this is something that this is a cause and effect situation this right. is something that you all at Harvard you created this hot mess that's correct you have to own it and by the way Larry Hogan has as much chance of being president as Hulk Hogan does. <laughs> Let's, let's clear that I up. I think Hulk Hogan, yeah. Has much better chance <laughs> than Larry Hogan, actually. Uh, I'm moving on to cut four here. Uh, Daniel, KJP uh, was asked yesterday in the in the press briefing on if Biden is concerned about a potential rise of anti-Semitism uh, um, in the country. And uh, what do you hear this pivot? Piggybacking off of what Larry Hogan was just talking about, cut four here. His level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats. Uh, and so I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate fueled attacks. And certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab, Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And that is something you heard the president speak to in his uh, in his address uh, just last last Thursday. And so uh, one of the things that the president has done is directed his team, uh, uh, Homeland Security team, to prioritize prevention uh, and disruption of any emerging threats that could harm the Jewish, the Muslim, uh, Arab Americans, or, or any other communities. And that is something that the president has sought to do and, and since day one. As you know, the president ran on, on, um, on you know, bringing... Protecting communities, obviously, but bringing people together, the soul, uh, uh, protecting the soul of the nation, uh, and so uh, that is something that the president takes very, very seriously. Uh, and um, you know, we're going to continue to denounce any sort of hate uh, towards any American here, uh, and so that's what we're going to continue to be steadfast wow. on. Yeah. Again, he has he has uh, uh, advised, directed his homeland security uh, team to make sure that they're on top of this. Wow. The binder, verbatim from the binder, head down most of the time there. A quick pivot from uh, the anti-Semitism question to the rise of Islamophobia. Which, by the way, Democrats are very diabolical, as dumb as she might be in public. They have an agenda. They have a plan. And here's here's my theory. I think they know that they have the vote of many people of Jewish descent in this country. I think they're planning to try to win over the... Arabic community I agree. in America. I agree with you. I, I, I think that could be at play here. Yep, It's always next level with these people. Jeremy Burke on the YouTube chat writes, this is like listening to a five-year-old tell you about their day at school. <laughs> I know. I can, I can attest to that every time I ask my son about his day at school. Yeah. I get a more cohesion answer mm-hmm. than uh, yeah. 
She just gave. You could ask Corinne Jean-Pierre what she had for lunch yesterday. She would look down at the binder for the answer. It's unbelievable. The pivot, though, is something is something <laughs> extraordinary. It's a tell. It, yep. it is, yep. No doubt about it. All right, coming up next, we will find out what's on tap for the Dawn Show and who won Twitter today and our Game 7 predictions. Yes! Does anybody actually have the temerity to go Uh-oh. against the home team? Uh-oh. Well, well I guess... You need to sit through this short commercial break. Stick around and find out. Back after this, Kale and Company. It's Kale and Company On Demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Tuesday morning here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Don't forget tomorrow, the great Tony Bruno will join us for his weekly appearance right around 825. Game 7 tonight for the Phils. We'll find out who won Twitter today. But right now, time to find out what's on tap for the Dawn Show. Just eight minutes out here on this Tuesday morning. Yeah, and we're eight minutes away from so many breaking, developing stories. We have uh, Trump going into the Manhattan court, but as well facing off with Michael Cohen, his you know past ally, now enemy. So that testimony, so we may catch uh, Trump going in. So we'll take that live if that happens. We have the House Speaker issue as they try to sort that out in the uh, with Republicans in the House of Representatives. And then, of course, moving forward through noon today, we we have the the funeral uh, going on for Philadelphia fallen. So all three of those um, developing stories, whether nationally, locally. And then, of course, we'll update you this latest with with Iran reportedly actively facilitating at least some of these attacks on U.S. military bases. There's a lot of activity going on as we enter day 18 of the war uh, in Israel there. So we're, we're following those latest developments as well. 10.05, Todd Shepard, Broad and Liberty, his latest investigation. He's a great investigative reporter. You want to hear what he has to say. And then coming up at 11, we'll have Jennifer Stefano of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So we'll we'll talk about the Philadelphia. There's a lot going on locally, nationally, but we'll break down the, her latest Inquirer article Talking about Jewish um, donors and allies, letters to Penn exposing the what they call the moral rot in American higher education mm. and her reaction to that cartoon as well. Okay. Jam-packed. Very good. All right, Greg Stocker, 953. Let's find out who won Twitter today. Who won Twitter? The greater Chris uh, wins Twitter, and he says, uh, here's where Nancy Pelosi switches parties and immediately gets 217 votes for speaker. Happy Halloween. Don't bother me with such frivolity, okay? Oh, my. That is the tweet of the week. Yeah, I agree. I, I love agree. the greater Chris. That's, That's really well. It's been a while since we've heard from Chris I know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, Chris. Yeah. He, he once uh, commented that I never retweet anything that he does or um, respond to anything that he says, so... Yeah, really? I just wanted to give him. Th- that's a great tweet, but I just yeah, I responded to something he said the yes. other day just because I d- I don't really retweet anybody. No, no, you don't. You're not very into unless it's promoting you know something for right, the- like our clips that we post. yeah yeah. That's all I really. Yeah, retweet. you give Chris's a lot of love. The greater Chris, Chris Apolito. You're 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 active in the Chris community on Twitter. I, I am very active in the Chris community. <laughs> thank you, thank yeah. you for that, Nick. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, his wife and daughter went to see Taylor Swift movie Eras, just like you, Nick. Oh, they did. Uh, it's good parenting. So yeah, yeah. sometimes you got to set your personal interests aside for the betterment <laughs> of the kiddos. All right, uh, let's make some predictions. Uh-oh. Game seven tonight, Dawn, Phillies. Dawn first up. time in franchise history. <laughs> Dawn up eighty bucks. Dawn's up eighty bucks, Woo, which is all for Travis Mannion. Nick goes and- sixty. Greg goes twenty. I'm gonna. Can I finance that over forty eight months? <laughs> 
No, it's all eventually going to go to families, uh, you know, back in the badge and also Travis Manion. Okay, very good. Right. Um, I guess I'll lead off. I'm going to take the Phillies. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine they lose two games in a row at home. The uh, Just so you know, the uh, the over-under, and I'm going with the uh, FanDuel spread here, is eight, eight and, and a half. half. Yeah. I've got the under. I'm going to go Phillies four. Okay. Diamondbacks two. I think Ranger Suarez can get us at least four good innings tonight. Mm-hmm. He's going to be on a pitch count. Uh, it'll be a bullpen game after that. Mm. And uh, as soon as it goes wrong, everyone will go on Twitter and say <laughs> Rob Thompson's an idiot. Uh, but I think the Phillies get it done, and extra grease on the poles is the way to go tonight. Yeah, baby. Um, I'll go next, I guess. Um, I'm going to take the over at the 8.5. I'm going to go the Phillies 6 and the Diamondbacks 4. Okay. So they'll score Ten runs combined. And Dawn, you're going to take Arizona again? <laughs> no. No. And I never took Arizona. Mm. I just said because today would have been my mom's birthday, October 24th. I had a weird feeling about yesterday, and so I just predicted that we would clinch it today. So history, game seven, we clinch it. And I don't even think it's going to be close. I think we're going to get in there. The fans are going to go crazy. Wow. And it's going to be a blowout. Whoa. That's what I think. Okay. A blowout. Uh, can you predict a score? Please, since we're betting on this. And say it the wrong way. Say, like, two to nine. <laughs> Can you predict Dawn, the score, you better keep your mouth closed. I think I, I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to say? That it's we win nine to three. Nine, nine three. to three. Okay, there we I'd go. I like that. Nine, nine three. three. Okay, I will Dawn. gladly take that. Uh, Shafe on the YouTube chat uh, says, uh, Dawn, uh, wait, hang on. I just lost it. Oh, sugar. Uh, Dawn put the whammy on the Phillies with yesterday's pick. Oh, no. It was your fault. I did. I had this weird mm-hmm. vibe all day. Yeah. You did. All right. We'll see how it plays out tonight. So one more time, uh, 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 Nick, six to two. Is that what you said? Uh, no, four, no. Uh, four, three. Four, three. I'm four, sorry. Three. Four, yeah. three. four, three. I said nine, three. Greg, six, six to four. Yep. And Dawn, nine to three. That is yep. correct. Okay. All right. Stay tuned. The Dawn Show is coming up in just a few minutes. We'll be back tomorrow morning at six. And as our fearless leader would say. All right. God save the queen, man. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday morning, six till 10 on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.